The 600 series had rubber skin. We spotted them easy. But these are new. They look human. Sweat, bad breath, everything. Very hard to spot. I had to wait till he moved on you before I could zero him. Look, I am not stupid, you know. They cannot make things like that yet. Not yet. Not for about 40 years. Are you saying it's from the future? One possible future. From your point of view, I don't know tech stuff. Do you expect me to talk? episode 162 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host Becca and as always joined by my fellow co-hosts Chris and Dave and extra special guest Charlie Brigden of Movie Drone. How are you all? Nice to see you guys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> beat me to it. <laughs> Good evening folks, would you beat you to it? You, it's not like, I think we've learned once you don't only have one shot at that line. <laughs> Your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. There we are. That's my other one. Charlie, what's your bad Arnie impression? What? Oh, that was Arnie, was it? I thought it was Toto Wolf of the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm sure I have one. Maybe, maybe later. Yeah. Maybe later on, after a few drinks. <laughs> what? What? What's the Simpsons equivalent? Yeah, was it Wolfgang something? Radio Wolfcastle. Radio Wolfcastle. Yeah. yeah. As McBain. Yeah. McBain. <laughs> On close inspection, these are loafers. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, that, that's the thing. That's the, uh, the the quote that you uh, kept saying. Like, I used to see you. It's actually from that, not actually from anything Arnold actually said. I know. I know. Uh, I yeah, it's, 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 it's not from Batman. It's literally when McBain explodes out of an, an ice crystal. Is like, I used to see you, Mendoza, or whatever the villain's yeah. name is. Literally, that's where it comes from. I don't I think it's from. It's gotta get Mendoza. Yeah, that's the one. That, that, uh, <laughs> the day when I was reading. Um, I was reading about this film and the famous I'll be back line, which I'm sure we'll talk about because it gets used and abused terribly through the series, but we'll obviously talk about it tonight. Arnold desperately wanted to play it as I will be back for two reasons. Firstly, he had a problem with Isle, just with his accent. And uh, also he was saying it's a robot. He would use contractions, but yeah. it was just when he had problems with Isle, all I could think of was up and at them. Yes. No, we're in here. It's up and Adam. Up and Adam. But yes, at long last, on Do You Expect Us to Talk, we have finally got round to reviewing the Terminator series. So tonight, we shall bud on the impressions and all get down to reviewing the Terminator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> starring <laughs> Virginia Wolfcastle. <laughs> Hamilton, Michael Peen, Lance Henriksen, Paul Winfield, El Bowen, and Bill Paxton. I completely forgot he was in this film. Well, with a original but, yeah. score by Bradford Out, obviously written by Jim Cameron, Gail Anhood, and William Bisher Jr., directed by Jim Cameron, and released in 1984. This is as old as I am. Oh, my God. Did anyone think it was weird that in the Simpsons movie, they had Arnold Schwarzenegger instead of Rainier Wolfcastle as the president? Yeah. Yes. That's very clever. Arnold does it. Yeah, I was I was elected to lead, not to read. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> not to read. Um, yeah, I saw this film an awful lot later than I thought I did. I th- I saw it on Movie Drone. 
the uh, Alex Cox TV series, or Alex Cox presented, anyway. Um, And I had a look today. It's on IMDb. You can go and look up Movie Drone. And it it ran for five seasons. And the films, the list of films it showed is amazing. It is just a a film school. It's amazing. Five, Five seasons of incredible stuff. But The Terminator didn't appear until June of 1990 which is at least two years later than I expected. So I thought I had this film. I saw this film and got a copy just before I was 12. I was actually 13 when I saw it. But yeah, that's when I first saw it in sort of a cut form, I think. I don't think it was uncut on television. No, it was definitely cut. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the cuts when we go through. Only one really stands out to me in memory. Um, and it's a really awkward cut, ruining ruining a verbal line. But we'll come to it maybe a bit later on. That was my experience with it. Then, then obviously when T two came out, I think T two's uh, special visual effects and the uh, advertising campaign and where it is relative to like all of our ages now is a lot of the reason there's so much love for it. I think Terminator two is a good film. I really do. Well, you know, without reservation, I put it in the very good category. But it is look at the shiny, shiny, because it doesn't hold a candle to what we're going to talk about tonight. Not at all. And then the season, the sort of series afterwards has been periodic revisiting to get diminishing effects. I don't know what your experience is with the series has been. Crap. There you go, crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't seen Terminator 3 since it came out, and... I didn't see Terminator Salvation last time I saw that was probably when it came out on Blu-ray and I haven't seen Genesis so I'll be watching that for the first time for this series Um, but no yeah it's just it it goes and again T2 starts this off shut up Siri T2 (laughs) that's kind of ironic isn't it I was going to say T2 starts off with the the kind of reclaiming and making catchphrases out of lines and stuff and that goes down the line and down the line and even in the third one yeah it has a pretty good ending but you talk gets shit like talk to the hand and things like that and the Alan John glasses and it's just like a mockery but anyway Uh, well I'm surprised you haven't seen Genesis but Genesis was an embarrassment because it it started off Genesis with a half decent sort of teaser part of the campaign in the, you know, when we were starting to get the earliest shots from it and so on, it focused on a reworking of what is some of the earliest scenes of this film. And it's not done too bad. Whatever your thoughts on Amelia Clark as an actress, she does a pretty good Linda Hamilton impression verbally and the way they've made her up. She, she's passable. Certainly. Um, and the, the sort of the, the store they're in is looks exactly the same as we're going to see Kyle Reese in, in the earliest parts of tonight. And so it just looked like this sort of almost back to the future too. step inside events you've seen before and look at them from a different angle and put little twists on them and stuff. And then they released um, some posters of it uh, from characters stood in what looked like a car park screaming in the direction of the camera or just at an angle off camera. Um, and then they released the final uh, trailer, which had a massive, massive spoiler in it. Even by the standards of modern trailers, I thought, right, this this production's in problem in, in trouble. They think they've got a turkey, so they're going to draw in the few people who aren't sure by saying, look what happens. And you get that a lot. So Genesis, I think it declines in a straight line. 
I think the series declines in a straight line. Three has some positives about it, but it saw it seemed to be as much about Arnold, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's gubernatorial sort of campaign as anything else, because um, he he got it moved to you know California for you know in tax rebates and all that, and sort of used it to sort of promote him and his state really. But again, yeah, it does have a pretty brave ending in some ways. Four, um, four. We'll talk about when we get there because four has a couple of absolutely mammoth flaws in it that I can't believe they didn't notice. But I've got to watch it again to be absolutely sure. What about casting I... Sam Worthington in the lead? Well, there is that. Sam Worthington's the guy who. But G is the director. I think those that like Sam Worthington, you know, in the director community, see him as like a strong stoic type along the lines of a Steve McQueen. But he's probably Steve better Mc... behind the camera than he is in front. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, he, Christ, he was in the final five when Daniel Craig got cast. That could have been interesting. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they were very interesting. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't get it myself, to be honest with you. I think the problem is he plays blank, which means he plays dumb. And that's not what, like, Steve McQueen was, certainly. No. Um but it declines in a pretty straight line. There's there's one thing in it that I need to watch again to figure out what the machines know. Because if they know what I think they know, then the plot has just a massive error in it that you just go, that's really dumb. That's film-breakingly stupid. Um, and then Genesis is just an embarrassment. But uh, yeah, certainly the first film remains my favourite by a long way. Uh, T2's fun and T2's got a lot of... Um, glitz to it you know it's got scale it's a big blockbuster it's got decent action three has some decent action at the start but that's about all i can say for it but yeah th- we, we this is a series that i think declines in a straight line and i include t2 in this what about you two uh well yeah i i i, I first heard about terminator with um terminator 2 i seen start seeing posters cause it was like it was one of those films that was everywhere and then once mm. once it out it just got absolutely lauded um yeah. so it's like so once uh, and you, oh, this is uh, Terminator 2, obviously. Oh, oh, the first film and that. And I think in retrospect as well, I did hear about Terminator when I was in like primary school. Like, sort of kids like talking about like this like kind of cool little film with like a robot and stuff like that. Now that's like just really ultra violent and whatnot and whatnot. But it's only really from term from the first uh, from from Terminator 2, which I actually, you know, knew knew the series existed really so it was always kind of, kind of like, oh, which is better Terminator 1 or 2 you know um, which you know, at the time you think oh you know Terminator 2 because of shiny shiny <laughs> yeah but to be fair like so T-1000 is pretty fucking cool um, oh definitely but yeah anyway uh, so yeah uh, yeah so I, I think I, I think I've watched I can't I can't remember what show I watched first I, I might have actually watched like this on the TV when I was like it was this at that time I was like a young age where it was on like on a school night and I had to like sort of sort of sneak in and watch it watch it in little parts so I was like <laughs> I had to pretend I was asleep and I, like, when, when I think think one one sort of noticing I sort of like turn on the TV and like with the volume down just watch it and then we think that old chestnut yeah it literally was like it, it, it was it was almost like I was like sort of like sneakily watching porn but just like <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I remember doing that with The Exorcist really randomly. I think it was when it sort of came out on, on, on home release. I kind of I was around a friend's house and we kind of snuck downstairs, you know, when the parents were asleep and we're like, oh, quick, let's watch this with the sound down. And probably terrified. <laughs> I mean, oddly, oddly enough, I can only remember it doing with Arnie films like that, uh, Predator and uh, Commando. <laughs> oddly enough. Oh, right. Um, 
Not kindergarten cop then. Or no. <laughs> no, no, s- sadly not. No, uh, but yeah, no. Um, so it's a jingle all the way, but that's another film. That is indeed another film. <laughs> <laughs> for another time. Stay tuned for Christmas commentary on Jesus <laughs> to Talk. Uh, I've been that for a while. I'm pretty sure in is it 18 months? Who's, I'm next. Are you after Rebecca? I can't remember. Who, who chose last year's? Scrooged. So I'm yeah. oh so in about fifteen months' time we're doing jingle all the way. Oh you? god, no. <laughs> I've never seen it. I'll have to. I, thing is, I'll have to watch it first because I can't commentate on something I've never seen. No, so enough. I've got a couple of viewings of uh, Jingle All the Way coming You're up. You're in for a treat. <laughs> <laughs> fifteen months in. Awesome. I don't mind. Oh, <laughs> Although I'm just aware I sounded way too keen then. Not really. Uh, yeah, well, so uh, like ninety-eight days till Christmas. Yeah, but this uses trading places. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Um, anyway, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. we'll uh, we'll go we'll go a bit awkward during the blackface scene. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll skip those. I think we'll skip those. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> it just occurred to me. I think he changed it because uh, there was some there was some storm over like blackface, not the current one with Trudeau. It was somebody else a few months ago. And then I remember Trading Places, or I watched it, and I was like, how are we going to do that? And then I just thought, what I normally think, which is uh, bollocks. <laughs> so, we'll just get past it, it'll be fine. We're not skipping past it. I mean, we can't skip past the comments. <laughs> <That's not laughs> Fast forward, no. We're going to have to find incisive yet hilarious things to say about blackface. But anyway, we'll <laughs> So, anyway. I mean, you can always just go like, well, what the fuck were they thinking? But then, <laughs> you know, that, you can always go down that route. Unfortunately, we'll have to do that for several minutes. <laughs> Maybe you can use it to have a moment of silence for those two old guys who are probably dead. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Right. Well, that brought us all down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was our moment. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so uh, it's Trading Places too. Uh, anyway. So, oh no, it's back to America too, isn't it? They're doing. Sorry, I got I got confused. What are you talking about? No, they, 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 That's they, another they, film. Those two guys appeared in uh, Coming to America, didn't they? Yes. So I got confused between the two films. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Becca Terminator. Oh dear. Right. Um, <laughs> I I think it's safe to say with this series, I kind of gave up halfway through. Um, obviously, the first two, or well, the first one, absolute classic. Um, Second one, with, with a certain um, a certain percentage of the population think it's the better film, uh, that's fine. That's their that's their opinion. Um, that as far as um, cinematic releases, obviously I was one. You know, I was being born at the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what an image! Your mum I was too busy being a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My mum made a right mess of that cinema scene. <laughs> In the cinema, that's what it was all about. Um, yeah, no, obviously I, I missed the first one at the cinema because I was a baby. Um, I think yeah, it must be similar sort of because I'm only a few years behind Chris as well. So obviously, sort of during my school years, um, but I don't think I don't have the same memory of sneaking downstairs. Um, to, to watch it um, it was obviously one that may have been like sort of like a, a VHS release uh, but again it was probably cut to shreds or it might have been like a, you know a TV a TV screening again which was um, on or just before the watershed and, and of course was it was cut to shreds there um, I've seen I saw yeah I remember seeing the third one um, at the cinema 
can't remember it. I don't think I saw Salvation. Um, Genesis, which I call Terminator Spelling Mistake. Um, I know it's called Genesis for, for a reason, and it's spelled that way. For the reason is shit, but it does have a reason. <laughs> but I call it Terminator Dyslexia. But no, Mega Drive. Yeah, exactly, it could have been called Terminator been Master System. Drive. Anything that's got a brand name, it could have been called Terminator Orangina. Terminator <laughs> Terminator Dreamcast, there you are. Yeah. Terminator PlayStation 2. Dreamcast has such an amazing reputation. Oh my god. Um, and yeah, 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 Terminator <laughs> Palm Pilot. Palm Pilot. <laughs> it's literally like fucking tablet software, but we'll get there. Yeah, but from the 90s. Um, what was the other one? Einstein or something, wasn't it? It was like Terminator Einstein. Yeah. Um, oh, the Newton. Newton, oh, that was it, Newton. Newton. <laughs> that was the old film, you know, the one film that we can't wait to see, Terminator, Newton. All right. Um, but, you know, oddly enough, I'm bizarrely looking forward to Dark Fate. Um, I'm looking to, I'll go to the follow-up uh, Operation Murray Beach, that's what I'm looking forward to. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most exciting one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I saw, also they re-released um, Terminator and Terminator 2 in cinemas recently for the 30th un- 35th anniversary. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll go along to see those. I've never seen them on the big screen before. It was amazing. Um, really thoroughly enjoyed it. Effects still stand up. I was really surprised. Well, it Especially... would be in T2. I'm not so sure about this one. Uh, yeah, no. I, well, I, was, I, think, I think they do I, for the I, budget. I, you know, oh, I no, think, no, yeah, no, 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 I'm not going to say a word against them in a negative way, but no, uh, but I know, no, I know what you mean. No yeah. budget, stop motion effects they couldn't quite finish or develop as far as they wanted, etc. But T2 yeah, no, stands up pretty well. well. They still look great oh, yeah. compared to like some of the stop motion that we saw in Robocop um, and other kind of stop motion animation oh, around yay. this sort of time. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, but yeah, obviously, given the budget that they had um, and the you know the effects team behind it. Um, I, I was quite surprised. I thought, oh, no, 84, this is going to look rubbish, rah, rah, rah. Actually, no, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, and for me, it kind of held up and looked convincing. Um, I've been to the movie studios and in, in America and, and seen, you know, the ride that goes along with it. Um, and, you know, it had all the 3D effects thrown at me. So that was that was quite interesting. I mean, that was good fun. Um, but that was pretty much my experience with the films. Um, sort of caught caught the first two on, on home release. Um vague memory of seeing the first one in, in the cinema not that great obviously missed missed the others um not even the amazing korean actor could draw me in for terminator spelling mistake but i look forward to catching them up for the series um and i look forward to learning a lot from from you guys and certainly from charlie as well okay so in terms of the making of this film charlie leap in where you know more than i do mm-hmm. uh but james cameron reports having a bit of a fever dream he had mm. a fever. He had a temp- uh, quite a high temperature while he was in Italy, I think, promoting Piranha 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Which is a film he did, I think, was Piranha in, under the uh, Roger Corman stable? It was, yeah. Yeah. It, another one of those directors, Coppola's one, Joe Dante's one, and there Scorsese. are others. Scorsese, yeah. Uh, they, they got their start doing sort of work on Roger Corman sets, and then what would happen is they finish a film and then they'd make something else while the sets were still up. So Coppola's first film, but yeah, Joe Dante. And actually uh, there is, a, there are a couple of Joe Dante links in this film, such as Dick Miller, mm. the guy in the gun shop appears in a lot of Joe Dante films. He died earlier this year. Um, 
but he had a fever dream and that dream involved like a what we would think of as a metal endoskeleton but i do believe it was in the state it was towards the end of the film and that it, like, its bottom half had been blown off and he just went away and sort of developed that with somebody else into a script that is a lot more like t2 its first draft two competing terminators one of whom was one of whom's liquid metal uh and then obviously the obvious point occurred to him that effects can't do that yet um and then from there it was sort of developed through a deal that was done with orion to distribute which is orion which is why you'll see mgm logos at the end of it now because orion's an mgm company today uh and that's how he i think that's how he met gail ann hurd who was actually like his third of fifth five wives uh, because she, she bought it for him for like a dollar or something like that and got involved in getting this all sold. Oh, yeah, so it came, yeah, it paid a dollar and then it came with like a blood oath. You must produce um, it with me directing. Yeah. Um, in terms of casting, the funniest little thing in that, like, I, I don't think it's funny enough that I laugh at it, but I certainly smile. The first idea for the leading man or the Terminator, not the leading man, because Carl Reese was thought of as the lead, but the first idea for the Terminator was dismissed as they couldn't imagine this man as a murderer, O.J. Simpson. There's a there's a rumor, and I think it is a rumor that Lance Hendrickson was was sort of considered. Actually, Lance Hendrickson was more roped in to help pitch it. Yeah, to dress up in like a heavy coat, put some sort of covering on his teeth, shades, all that sort of thing. Don't ever recall that he was actually talked about, but he was the physical type that was going to be used because it's meant to be an infiltration unit. They wanted the studio, particularly Orion, wanted a name to play Kyle Reese. Uh, so it was offered to Sylvester Stallone. It was offered, I do believe, to Mel Gibson, but that, that's without looking at it. That name I'm less sure about, but certainly two A-listers of the time, one of them Stallone, and they turned it down. There was, because of the idea of like a worldwide appeal and Conan and everything else, they were um, encouraged to meet... or. Cameron was encouraged to meet with Arnold Schwarzenegger and he didn't want to meet with Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is for the Kyle Reese character, not the T-800. Um, and Arnie was really keen on playing the Kyle Reese character. That, that, that's, was, yeah. yeah. But he didn't want to meet Yeah. Him. So he said, and I've heard him say this, he said something along the lines of, I just thought, well, I'll pick a fight with him. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll yeah. have a big argument he, and then I'll go back and tell the he studio said, he's wrong He for said it. that to someone like... Um, like sort of go going to me, it's like oh, I'm off to go pick a fight with Conan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, uh, uh, the whole time during the conversation, Arnold had nothing but he didn't demand to play the Terminator, but he, he all of his observations and ideas was about the characterization of the T800. Mm-hmm. Most of which I think we'll talk about as we go through, sort of the way he moves and you know that sort of thing. Yeah, we'll talk about it as we go through. But all of that was coming out in the original sort of conversation and eventually it just pulled him around and actually Cameron who's a, an outstanding illustrator just asked him to sit still and just drew a little sketch of him as the Terminator while he was sat there in that restaurant um, Michael Bean I'm less sure about where his casting came from because obviously all these other names were sort of uh, were floated uh, Linda Hamilton was very much a Cameron pick He, you know she she's meant to be I mean the actress herself is about let me think 
she would have been about 27 at this point, actually, because I think she was born in 56. 56? Yes, 56. I think that'd be right, wouldn't it? Yeah, she, she was about 34 when they were filming T2, even though she's in dialogue meant to be 29. But we'll talk about that 10-year gap next week. Uh, but they want, yeah, they've, they've just wanted a, an, an all-American girl. And what, what they've got is... What they've just got is a girl next door, but with an extremely calming voice. She's she's a real calm presence at the sort of centre of this film. Um, I don't know that there's much else to say at this stage. It started off with a four million budget that got raised th- through the process up to about six and a half. Their first choice for um, sort of effects and stuff was a guy called Dick Smith, who Charlie may be able to fill on on what he's been on because I've completely forgotten that. Yeah, his. his- He's, he did Taxi Driver, but his, his kind of biggest thing was The Exorcist. Right. All the, so, all the effects for that. So very good at makeup effects. Genius, stuff, yeah. Though. Absolute genius. Uh, he turned it down and recommended Stan Winston. Well, Stan Winston has passed away now, but Stan Winston has probably exceeded that legend in the years that's followed. So not at all a bad choice. Charlie, you're welcome to talk about the, the guy who did the music, Brad Fiedel, uh, is was only known for TV before this, and we can talk about where he went and where he came from and all the rest of it. Probably best known for his work with Cameron, though. Mm-hmm. And that's about as far as I need to go at the moment, I think. It was shot in March, I think, of 84. So... With them sort of shooting a lot at night, it compromised shooting days because you're in L.A. in spring trying to film only in hours of darkness. So a tough shoot, uh, a shoot in which Linda Hamilton got herself injured. Her ankle is sort of strapped for most of this. And I would talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger, but we know he's a a trooper and puts up with everything that's thrown his way. That's all I really want to say on the making of this. Anything to add? The only thing I think I might mention, Charlie, you might want to fill fill people in on this is the whole Harlan Ellison thing. Yeah, the uh, the, the later prints of the film um, have a card at the end that says we with acknowledgement to the works of Harlan Ellison. Um, now Harlan Ellison, for people that don't know, was a science fiction writer, most famous for writing the uh, Star Trek episode, um, The City on the Edge of Forever. Um, the Joan Collins one. Yeah, the one, the one where they go back through the thing and they go, Spock and Kirk or paperwork, whatever. I can't I remember who we actually played, but yeah, Joan Collins has to die, essentially. Um, but... Um, he had written for the series The Outer Limits, which is kind of the competing series with The Twilight Zone in the uh, in, in the 60s. And there was two, uh, I believe, episodes he wrote. One was called Soldier um, and one was called Demon with a Glass Hand. Um, and there was a suggestion from him that James Cameron had used ideas from this, from these two episodes in the uh, story of the Terminator, um, and uh, basically it was settled out of court, and um, the card was put up to uh, say, as like as a with the acknowledgement of his work apparently against James Cameron's wishes. 
Yeah, it was a risk. It was a risk. It was a risk appetite issue. Yeah. If, if if we lose in court, and of course it was followed by non-disclosure agreements. So, so for years, Cameron couldn't even talk about it. But now he basically says, "I don't give a shit," and he says, yeah. "I didn't steal a thing." I've never seen either of the episodes, but I've read a plot synopsis of Soldier, and I can see some similarities. Yeah, but but given given the twi- the big how influential the Twilight Zone was um, on science fiction and horror, and still is. And with, so it's it's, it's kind of when you say, oh, yeah, John Williams or whoever, some of his stuff um, sounds like other classical composers. And it's like, well, yeah, it's going to because that's what's kind of been has been fed in so much is kind of like the cultural zeitgeist of that particular thing. So it's just like influence is everywhere. And the other part, thing is... Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits and stuff like that ran for long enough across both that they must have done every fucking conceivable angle on sci-fi at some point. Well, yeah, well, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? And Harlan Ellison was known to be a particularly... Um, I'm trying to think of the well, word. Well, he sounds twat in interviews. Is that where you're going? No, I was, well, I was thinking more of... <laughs> he's, he's, he's very, he was very much open to suing for the littlest thing. Right. Because um, I know he had problems. Of, he ended up um, publishing his own version of the uh, the City on the Edge of Forever script because he wasn't happy with that how that was done. And there was other things that was uh, yeah because he he tried to sue the people who made the film in time. Right. Um, okay. Uh, with Justin Timberlake. I know the film, yeah. Just and, uh, like an Olivia Wilde. But did did he want his um his a uh, his price for his uh, cinema ticket back or something or? <laughs> <laughs> um, about yeah. a, a, a story. Good faith. And uh, and he but he he um he pulled the lawsuit after seeing the film. Right, because I don't want to I don't want to take any credit for that. <laughs> In time's not as bad as all that, to be fair. But no, yeah, no. it's it's not. But yeah, uh, but yeah I said so... I about it till we just talked about it. Then <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. I did see it at the time. Yeah. Okay. So that was a whole Harlan Harlan Ellison thing. Uh, kept open to a, a first weekend gross of four million dollars, which was enough to get it top spot. So how times change, I guess. And T two and everything else and what follows, we'll talk about um, next week. I think I've I've already sort of talked through the series, so I won't say too much in opening thoughts. I'm literally just going to say, I don't want to steal Charlie Sunder either because he talked about the sort of genre of this film, and he was saying more or less observations I've said. So I'm not going to say it now because we'll get to it. Yeah. But what this film is is very different from what's coming. I think it was sort of trying to establish a subgenre in itself. Mm. Uh, uh, there's, it's no coincidence that nightclub's called Tech Noir. Mm. I think oh, yeah, that, that was an attempt to sort of brand a sort of subgenre of what Charlie will talk about in a minute, I suppose. Yeah. Because um, I, I say I'll let Charlie talk about the sort of genre of the film, but it's it's in the argument for best film of the eighties. It, it just is, and I'm not sure T two's an argument for best film of the nineties. So that in itself tells you something. I think it's almost perfect. It's so tight. I miss James, this James Cameron. I don't mind that he be, he plays on this big, expansive, expensive um, digital playground now. And mm. I, I 
I I see every single flaw with Avatar, and I didn't like it when I first saw it. I didn't see. I didn't like it the first two or three times I saw it. But Avatar is a film that's wearing okay with me now, and I think a lot of that is I see, ex- understand, and accept James Cameron's flaws, and I'm willing to take the good with the bad. Well, or the bad with the good, if you like. There is very little bad here, apart from Kyle Reese being a very sort of James Cameron thing to call a character. <laughs> it, 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 I don't know. I just think you know, he, he, the big book of military names. Uh, it, it's virtually perfect and it's tight. And when we get to T2, you'll see there's no perfect cut of that film. And I'll explain that next week. Aliens is the same. There's stuff in the director's cut that you go, I wish that was in the main film. But if it was in the main film, it would unbalance it. This film just flies through and everything has a point. Uh, The character works great. The performances are great. The action's great. The leading man's great. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I derided as a much younger man, that, you know, he wasn't a very good actor and all the rest of it, that the guy's a film star and he's actually earned that. And this film will tell you why. And we'll talk about it as we go through. That's it for me to start with. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I'm, I'm not going to go too much into opening thoughts because I think there's probably more to talk about as we go in. But um, yeah, just uh, this probably is one of my favourite films. Um, I, I, as, as Dave just said, I, th- I think it's like pretty much no perfect. Um, I think what trumps this over than, say, uh, the the second movie uh, is predominantly just how how much vision this one has. Like you know, I, 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 you know, from 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 the idea of like this low budget film, it's like just quite dark and violent and quite sort of schlocky and B movie, but it just has so much expansive like vision with like an idea, and um, yet yeah, you have two, like sort of three really great performances, um, you know, with the three main leads essentially, uh, really tight, uh, really good character work, not a scene wasted, uh, even sort of like little sort of touches like uh, with uh, Ginger, what I've noticed on this on this viewing. They establish the fact that she just like bops around with her with her he- headphones all the time. So 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 that, that covers the fact that, you know, she doesn't hear what's going on in in, in the bedroom. Uh in, in, in a way that kind of like, you know, de- 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 condemns her fate and then so does Sarah by calling in it was always like if only you didn't call in you you, you, you might have got you know turn might have gone well that's so cool i'm done <laughs> do you know if what i mean the, uh, if the 80s ever took ever like morphed and took human form yeah it would be ginger from the- <laughs> it was <laughs> That's what it would look like. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't be too hard, but she is a little bit of a bell and best mate, isn't she? She is really. She's, she's just like. I mean, I mean, she, yeah, she's not like. When you know. you're that age, you just grab whatever flatmates available. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just thinking like, sort of seeing the murder on TV, going like making a joke about it. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Think... You're dead, honey. Like, fuck off. <laughs> Someone's died. Yeah, but. Um... <laughs> but yeah, no, generally, yeah, as um, I, I think it's not perfect, uh, and I. And I do kind of, you know, I I I'd rather the the dark grittiness and the kind of like the the bleak, you know, the bleak bleaker ending of like having to bear like the the weight of the world on your shoulders, knowing that something horrible is coming, uh, than the kind of like the bit more, I would say more kiddie friendly. Let's like you know thumbs up. You know, put put to the heartstrings one. I hate the two. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, sorry. Uh, I'll, yeah, the, the, that's basically why I standard it. Becca, 
Sorry, I'm hastily trying to find some fun facts about this film, but I think I'll let Charlie take over that one. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think you're perfectly right when you say like the 80s, if it came back like as a person. I totally agree. That is pretty much what it'd be like. <laughs> and yeah, she's kind of like... Yeah, not not the ideal. I mean, I've had some dodgy flatmates in my time, but yeah, not the ideal flatmate, unfortunately. I think she could have picked a better, better person than Ginger, for sure. I'm, I'm going to defend Ginger here. Um, I, okay. I she's getting a bit of an unfair. Um, yeah, she's not that bad. bad. She, she, she's not that bad. I've got. But the, yeah. the lizard, she's got a little pet lizard. It's quite cute. Can, I must say. See, oh, well, the, the iguana pugs me. Iguana, that's the one. Yep, sorry. Iguana. And you, and you can see that um, when that guy rings up, when, when the guy um, leaves a message to say that he's not seeing her, and there's an obvious feeling between the both. Yeah. Which, yeah, which, you, which you, is quite good. You can kind of you generally tell they're really good mates. You can, you can yeah. tell. You can tell Becca wasn't really paying attention though, can't you? Because I did my first thoughts on the film. You did your first thoughts on the film, and she did her first thoughts on Ginger from the. Honestly, <laughs> oh, no, um, no, I just know overall. Because um, I saw, I saw it properly recently. You know, for, yeah. um, well, I think last month it was going now. Um, but yeah, no, overall, kind of, I did sort of really enjoy it i think that what really jumped out for me for sure is definitely in terms of like the visual effects as well um and just how iconic carney's performance actually is i mean obviously now we've got you know the quotes like i'll be back um pass out of the baby and all that kind of stuff which i hate no it's obviously kind of gone obviously from the second film of course um particularly when but... the line's fed to you by an obnoxious fucking 10 year old <laughs> yes anyway well exactly yeah. it's just one of those things that it's an iconic line everybody attributes it to arnie but actually no it's had a furlong so um but it's just one of the things, you, you know, called still what? Like... A dipshit? <laughs> you called what? Oh, yeah, oh, we'll, we'll get that next week. We'll get that next week. Anyway, it's such a 90s film. I, I think he should, he should be dubbed by like Isaac Hayes or something. It would have made, <laughs> it would have made the performance so much better. By somebody who speaks very slowly and very chilled and, I don't yeah. know, Morgan Freeman or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that would work. The odds <laughs> coming out of a 15-year-old playing a 10-year-old, but there you go. Well, you've got some, again, you know, Linda Hamilton, she was like in a, she was playing 18, but she was like in her mid-20s. I mean, she wasn't obviously very old, but again, like in her mid-20s playing somebody a lot younger. But, you know, they, they both, you know, have good looks, they can pull it off, so why not? Um, but yeah, the iconography of Arnie as well um, is, you know, just really stunning to behold. Um, just the whole look and, and feel. And um, I also agree with what um, with what Charlie said, basically in terms of like the kind of forging like a new a new genre as well. Um, obviously, with the club being called technology, as you mentioned before, um, it's kind of like a new subgenre almost. Um, but just like the, the look, and also we chatted a little bit about this film um, off offer on the chat thread that we have um, about it kind of being very sort of gritty and visceral and kind of very much quite quite dirty, quite oily, um, as opposed to the second film, which shiny shiny. Um, but again, yeah, just it's one of those films that kind of really makes an impact on you, um, for you know, for all kinds of reasons, really. And it was, I would have to agree, it is one of the defining films of the eighties. That's my opening thoughts about the film in general. But yeah, the scene involving Ginger, I was just like, oh, face palm. <laughs> but no, anyway, carry on, Charlie, with your defence. Well, all oh. your opening thoughts, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. It's not the trial of ginger. I promise. I'm not, I'm not kind of wishing away this film, but I kind of think, oh, let, let's get on. Let's get on and get in. Yeah, we yeah. thought we tried something different this year. We were going to sort of view spend the episode sort of viewing each <laughs> character <laughs> and then minor. <laughs> we're going to put a minor character on trial. Good <laughs> yeah. next, ne- ne- next week we'll be doing Ginger's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. 
Go first. Well, you will. He's, he's pretty up. funny, though. Actually, no, I wouldn't want to go second, so I don't know. That's Next the episode on the Pudgy Yes. He went on to be the one that Daryl Hannah ended up with at the end of Roxanne. Well, the Iguana. Um, um, he was... Not, uh, the... <laughs> not um, Daryl Hannah. Slider and Top Gun. The other one, sorry. It is. Yes. Rick it Ross is. of it. It is Roxanne, sorry. Mm. He's he was, with um, Daryl Hannah and then he ends up with somebody else and obviously Steve Martin ends up with Daryl Hannah at some point. Of the film. And he was in uh, Navy Seals as well with Michael Bean. Yeah. I have seen that. I mean, the, 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 the film's a masterpiece. I mean, absolutely. Uh, I first saw it um, when it was on Movie Drone um, with Alex Cox, and that was on in June 1990. Um, I don't know how much people will know about Movie Drone, but basically it was a series that ran on BBC Two. And what would happen is Alex Cox, who's a, a film writer, director, um, critic, etc., um, would basically give a five to ten minute intro to before showing a film. Now these kind of films were basically cult films, so you, you had kind of all stuff like um, The Big Sleep and things like that, and The Maltese Falcon, all these old film noirs. You had horrors like An American Wealth in London, and I think probably Psycho was on there at one point, and there was kind of like a, a a number of foreign films and things on there, stuff that uh, a lot of them would kind of double bills as well. The Wicker Man was on. The, by the last series it was, I'm looking at it now, the first series had, for example, just some of them, The Wicker Man, The Last Picture Show, Barbarella, I definitely saw that, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatches, the 1958 version of The Fly, which I definitely saw, Good, mm. the Bad and the Ugly. This one fell in season three, which just for arguments, was started with Assault on Precinct 13, had Brazil, Get Carter, uh, American Werewolf in London. I think I definitely saw that. The final season just very quickly had some of the double bills you're talking about. So Mad Max and Mad Max 2 and F for Fake, Serpent and the Rainbow was on there, Escape for New York. I'll shut up now, but you can see the spread of what was on the show. It was superb. Again, Escape from New York, which was kind of came out a few years before this, but has very much the kind of same feel. Um, was I remember seeing that on here, and James Cameron actually worked on that film as an art director. Wow! Um, because his his first jobs were he worked on Roger Corman films, like he worked on um, Battle Beyond the Stars, the kind of Kind of pseudo remake of the Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurai and all that, but transplanted into space. It had Richard Thomas from the Waltons, it had uh, George Peppard from the A Team in it, and um, so he and he did a lot of building special effects and building uh, spaceships and stuff for that. And that was kind of what I think probably possibly gave him a bit of um, clout to be able to go on and make his Piranha too, and then going on from there. Um, but, uh, I mean, going back to Orion Pictures, Orion Pictures was a really interesting company because they kind of had a mix of releasing kind of exploitation films and also some really kind of notable... I mean, in the same year they released The Terminator, they also released Amadeus, which won yeah. eight Academy Awards. Which film? Amadeus. Oh, Amadeus. I misheard yeah. you completely. Amade- Amadeus is brilliant. Anyway, yeah, but they uh, they would they did films like Amityville Two. They did First Blood, 
Um, of course. All right, you've talked me into it, Charlie. I'm downloading Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus. There's a song about that. Hush <laughs> <laughs> no, Chris. Charlie's working. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's, they also did like Woody Allen films and stuff. And Cheech and Chong and The Woman in Red with Gene Wilder and stuff. So it was a really... <laughs> Yeah, and also the first couple of Paul Verhoeven films, they re- Flesh and Blood in 1985, which is a medieval kind of revenge His fantasy. His language film. Yeah. Rutger You mentioned it on the Terminator this show. Uh, not the, we mentioned it on the Robocop show because he's yeah, second. Yeah, a primary release Robocop as well. Yes, so, he did. Yeah, yeah, which was... And then they did Platoon. Anyway, so, because, I mean, to me, the, the Terminator is, I mean, it's generally kind of called a science fiction action kind of film. Um, but it, for me, it's it, one of the reasons it's so great because it falls into all these different kind of genres. It kind of taps into the kind of cyberpunk thing that you were talking about um, with films around this time. And there was Blade Runner earlier and there's Escape from New York and all this kind of, that kind of thing, kind of post-apocalyptic kind of science fiction. And, and also, um, I mean, this, this is very much an exploitation film. Um, and like Orion and like Roger Corman was used to putting out as opposed to obviously T2 which because of Cameron's status when he made that film was able to be a massive Arnie's. of all that scale exactly yeah hence Arnie's the good guy in that film half of yeah. that is his status in life a- absolutely mm. um, and um, sorry this is my travel and it's, it's also um if you could, it probably gets put off because of the science fiction stuff in it, but it's a slasher film, and it's one of the best slasher films ever made. It's kind of on a par with Halloween. Um, and and the irony is we've talked about me and horror several times, and the one sort of subgenre of horror I like unreservedly, because I've got a lot of problems with most horror, mm. um, one of the subgenres of horror I don't have a single problem with is slashers, okay. and I love this. So, yeah. Uh, exactly. I mean, w- one last thing on Arnie. Um, I mean, this is, this was his role after breaking out in uh, in Conan, mm. and they're very similar similar roles, really. Only they're kind of reversed from protagonist to antagonist, but a kind of very strong kind of silent type. Again, he didn't say a lot on Conan. About um, sixty words he says in this film. Yeah. Thanks. Mm. You just ruined one of my fun facts. Sorry. <laughs> Shit, I'm sorry. No, you carry on. That's, That's one fun fine. fact I didn't have. Right. He said a, he said an undetermined number of words in this film, Charlie. More about that. <laughs> it's um, all good. But, uh, yeah, but his, his, it was very much on his presence, and we can talk about much that much more later in the film. But let's cut on with it. All right. Speaking of Arnie, do you think obviously because he wasn't the first choice, do you think that would have worked as well had it been like say Lance Henderson or something? That had been like a smaller guy, because uh, watching this, I think I, I I kind of figured well, it kind of makes sense for him to be a bigger, uh, bigger guy because it's like you know you're basically like a robot inside of a like human skin essentially. Yeah, but so they could have been a smaller robot. Because because the the original idea of the Terminator is that, and and you kind of see this more in in the flashback scene is that they're infiltrate infiltration mm. units. They're designed to blend in. And I think once you understood that Arnie's going to be playing that role, you're going to have to redesign the film around him, around his power and his presence. 
So because he's not, he doesn't blend in anywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, do you, do you think it would have altered the film in any way? Like, do you think it would have because yeah, yeah. It could, because like you know, Arnie is typically like imposing founder figure, so it's very much like a you know this thing slowly coming to get you. It's I think very... it would have probably more like Robert Patrick in T two. Yeah. That yeah, works. yeah. So, Which, yeah, so it would have been a different film, potentially a a, a, a very good film, but yeah, definitely it would have been a how to be a different film. Can't imagine O.J. Simpson as a murderer though. No, no. <laughs> Sw- swap him, swap him out for Oscar Pistorius. <laughs> yeah. You could have gone right, sort of really off off as well and go for uh, Bill Cosby. That'd be. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, not, not American dad. Please. Oh dear. I've already mentioned O.J. Simpson. Let's move on now. Yeah, you've ruined the show, Chris. Oh, Just sorry. Christmas. I'm not saying that. Oh, Anybody want a coffee? I, I, actually, look, I was looking at fun facts and I thought, I'm not going to mention O.J. Simpson. One, because they've all mentioned it already. And two, because it's O.J. And I thought, no, I'm just going to move on. Ignore that one. Lance Hendrickson, I mean, yeah, who knows? I mean, they, 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 there's loads of different people who could have played a take. I mean, Rutger Hauer, you mentioned, could have played a take of something that would have mm. worked. We, we got what we got, and to be honest, I'd barely change a frame of this film. So yeah, could yeah. there be other versions? James Cameron's proved like plenty of times he's very talented, and more often than not, his casting is pretty decent. There are exceptions. We talked about one before the show started. Um more often than not, he's right. So he'd have made whatever work. But the fact is, as he talked to Arnold Schwarzenegger, the no-brainer was, no, you play you play the T-800. So uh, the director went against his own instincts, ideas, and all the sort of visual cues he had in his head. Because yeah, he was yeah. a designer, he was a visual artist. He had a picture of a Lance Henriksen type in his head. And yet, after meeting Arnold Schwarzenegger, he couldn't get him out, as a, out of his head as the Terminator. And actually, it's so much a better performance. I mean, people like Barry Norman used to refer to him as a walking special effect. And I bought into all of that for years. And if you watch this performance, it's a bit like talking about a Keanu Reeves or something. Yeah, when they open their mouth, they're not the most fucking gifted. But just the absolute um, dedication and physical talents uh, are enough that like, they absolutely deserve where they got in life. Screen and presence. at this point... At this point, he was yeah, and you've only got to watch something like Master of the, Master of the Universe to see what happens when you cast someone who doesn't have that presence. So, um, and particularly at this point, he's almost in competition shape still. Whereas when we get to T two, he's still ripped, but he's a lot smaller. This yeah. guy is still not far away from his from his peak as a, as a <clears throat> bodybuilder. Yeah, not he, he he says I wasn't in competition shape, but he wasn't a million miles away. So. But we'll talk about it because it's all in the body language and we'll talk about it in a bit. Um, and, and we'll start with that, I guess. Let's start with this film sequentially. We start with the um, the sort of graphic, the the sort of words that you tweeted earlier, Charlie. Yeah, the, the prologue. And again, it's, it's a perfect opening to this film. And it's kind of, this is this is where I really liked Cameron for, uh, for his kind of... The, the way he conceptualised and put together the whole future landscape the post-apocalyptic landscape um using a lot of kind of rear uh, rear projection and things like that miniatures and yeah and and kind of layers very much layers and and he does it in t2 in the opening t2 as well he, it's on a much bigger scale but he still kind of does the same thing um but it's so so playing the 
doing that effects footage, um, which is still kind of basic stop motion, but with the it works because it's all robots um, and the robotic ships and stuff. Mm. And it's it's just that that scene is so evocative, and even though it lasts like a minute long, it just immediately um, gives you this this word that you believe this world that you believe in straight away. Well, they never really moved away from it, did they? Did they? Mm. By the time you get to part four and they're they're showing you hunter killers, it, it's all the same stuff. Just yeah. the budget goes up. That's all. Yeah. So um, I mean, that's the one thing with Cameron; he gets his designs right the first time. So, yeah, it it says that uh, it says that basically there was a war in twenty twenty nine, something yeah. like that. Twenty twenty nine is when the the, the, the one set. Um, I'm not sure when the war started. Yeah, this um, is like the, the the tail end of it when they're yeah being, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, after a nuclear war, machines have basically gone to wipe out the rest of humanity. But the final battle will be fought, not in the not in that that time frame, but in our world tonight. Yeah, something like that. Yes. All, all we got to do is read Charlie's tweet. I should just open fucking Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. It's all there. It's all there. He fucking tweeted it earlier, and I stuck it on fucking Facebook. Hang on. <laughs> So yeah, I'm shocked, Dave. I really am. Right, go on, Charlie. What's it say? All right, it says, The machines rose from the ashes of the nuclear fire. Their war to exterminate mankind had raged for decades, but the final battle would not be fought in the future. It would be fought here, in our present, tonight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. He's talking. That's off. Sorry. Hang on, dog's barking, that means termites coming in it. Yeah, but yeah. it could be, but the dog actually repeated it in exactly the same <laughs> Exactly the same pattern, that was yeah. amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. I think he's got off to sort the dog out. That's never going to happen again, that was amazing. To be honest, would that count as puppy news? Puppy news. Ah, puppy Three news. Seconds. How much is that doggy in the window? Puppy news. It is Charlie's pup because he barks in that exact pattern. I never thought I'd get an opportunity to play that jingle again. Brilliant. <laughs> Puppy news. And now we've got news. Yeah. Oh, this is a good doggy. Many barkins. <laughs> <sighs> That's amazing. Except it's your pup, Charlie. <laughs> that was great. I got to I got to play a silly fucking puppy news jingle I wrote for fucking Doctor Strange months ago. <laughs> <laughs> puppy news. I wrote. I wrote. I you wrote it, did you? I, 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 I didn't really write it. I, it was you how much is that doggy in the idea. window with me intoning over the top. Puppy news. So, well, you're here. It's on the show now. But anyway, <laughs> we cut straight to... I, you, you mentioned this truck driver. Yeah. What uh, the hell? What the hell? Yeah, a load of electrical interference, and then Arnie approving what uh, appearing sort of naked and crouching. You don't have, you don't have the sort of bit cut out of the floor you get in the sequels. But he just he just appears, and yeah. uh, the, the truck, <laughs> right, the truck, truck <laughs> driver, the nasty black guy, just jumps out of the van. Yeah, like sort of cigar hanging out his mouth, going like, "What the?" Um, yeah, and then um, it turns out to be... He's basically on that... Um, what's it called? 
What what's that place called where where only finds himself? The, it's, he's using loads of films in LA. I know it's an observatory. Yeah, place. that's the one. Yeah. Griffith Park. That's it. Griffith yeah, Park Griffith, observatory. Griffith observatory. Yeah. It's an iconic yes. location. And it's, yes. Yeah, because it's, it's got a really good view of LA from there. So it's yeah, like there's, there's a there's a version of it in GTA. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's yeah. Got, yeah. 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 Go on then. Sorry, go on. name. So you get a nice uh, shot of um, LA at night and a nice shot of Arnie's ass. Lovely yeah, shot of but... Arnie's ass. Well, well the, done, the Arnie. Moon, Actually, when... The light in the moon shines off it perfectly. <laughs> I, I, remember when, I remember when they released the Blu-ray and it was like the restored Blu-ray with the, the um, a really good new print and transfer. Mm. And the first thing I noticed is there is a shot where you see Arnie walking towards it and you just see his massive cock swinging oh, from side to side. And that was that was, that was was my first thought. I still Thank remember you, when I saw the Blu-ray. Actually... One interesting thing is um, that means has somebody restored that cock. Well, the picture. if they've restored the film, have they had to they like must have done, touch surely. that up? <laughs> anyway, go on. It's a fun well, fact. Uh, just because it's probably a four K scan or a two K scan or what have you. Yeah. Um, but one one thing about this, the the version of the film that's mainly been in circulation since I think nineteen ninety. No, it's probably about 2001, 2002, when the film first came out on DVD, has a re-recorded, well, the, some, many of the sound effects in the film are different to what the uh, film originally had when it was released in cinemas and when it was shown on TV. Because there was, you know, there was a massive outcry about this, and it happened with Jaws as well. I didn't when know they re- either. When they released Jaws... On DVD first for the first time in like 2000, they uh, they did a new 5.1 mix, and a lot of the sounds like a Brody's gun and things like that, um, and the explosion at the end and things like that were newly newly recorded foley, or newly newly um, inserted foley, um, and there was lots of kind of uproar with film fans because of this, because the original kind of tracks weren't um, being included as well. Well, it's a re-edit of the film, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, with, with, with Jaws now, if you buy it on Blu-ray, and if you buy the Terminator on Blu-ray, you can have the, have the option of listening to the newfangled 5 or 7.1 or whatever, or the original mono soundtrack. And they would be different. Yeah. And of course, we all go and choose the 5.1 because we don't know any different. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, okay. it's just it's just an example of uh, of theatrical and film preservation that doesn't really get a lot of uh, a lot of spotlight because it's audio, not visual. Exactly. But um, yeah, as soon as I saw the this the on and Jaws on DVD, I knew something was wrong, and it just it was so. Anyway, anyway, he goes he goes up, he goes up to these three punks and says, "Have you got some clothes I can hide my massive penis in?" <laughs> It's really because big, it's, swing, really big it's swinging around and causing quite a trap. <laughs> your clothes, your boots, and your really big pants. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He basically he goes up to Bill Paxton and two others. See, I, I, lo- I love this idea of like of like eighties punks. Like, did did punks really dress like that in the eighties? Because like Bill Paxton's he literally got dre- a, got a yeah, skid mark yeah, on like, his face. They dressed more like punks then than they did during the punk era. Punk fashion was a little bit behind. Yeah, but um, they refilmed this for they refilmed this for uh, Genesis, and it's something to do with rights. 
there's a right issue on this scene. So they had to film it with different actors and obviously a digital army. So, because this, this scene is played with in Genesis. It's, the early part of that film isn't too bad because it's playing with what you know, but it goes to shit quite quickly. But, um, but yeah, so they do refilm this scene. But yeah, he's basically, I need, what he just says your clothes given to me, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and, they, and they kind of laugh at him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Wash day, nothing clean. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, again, as I, I, I think I'd be quite intimidated with like, a, like, like someone who looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like naked, demanding you give him the clothes. I think, like, uh, I don't think I'd mock him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, they all go for it, and he basically rips their guts out and steals the clothes from the one that is a fit for him. Yeah. So again, we'll see this in every film, and this is probably still the most effective. It's okay in T two though. Because he's in yeah. a biker bar, which is quite intimidating and stuff. Yeah, the um, yeah, because the other this this three pucks one of as you said was is Bill Paxton, um, and another one is Brian Thompson, who yeah. was a guy who he played. I think it was the next year he played the the, the villain in Cobra. Okay, I've still and, not seen Cobra. And he was Although also Stallone is now talking about a sequel to that as well, oh, so I'm bound to see it at some fucking. But I saw Rambo this weekend; it's fucking dreadful. Uh, anyway, of course it is, but it's, um, it's really bad, even by he, Rambo standards. It's he crazy. was um, he was really? in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he was like as one of the main villains. Right, and he was also like a, I remember that. He was a Klingon in um, Generations. Yes, and things so. like that. So he's had a, a career of being a, kind of bit parts. Okay. But this, this is this is one of the. the um... It's also in the X Files, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. Yeah. I he's, think so, he's yeah. like he's like Terminator esque villain in. Um, he was. Indeed. Oh, I can, I he pops up in kind of apocalyptic storylines. Yeah. He's got one of those memorable faces. Alien bounty hunter. Cobra. Night Night Slasher. The Night Slasher. Yeah. yeah. That's I'm, a scary name. I've been known to do that. <laughs> uh. Anyway, go on. Have a slash in the night. What else? What else could it mean? He's got a weakish body. <laughs> and then, um, I drank too much. I got to go. So then it flips over to uh, to Kyle Reese. Yeah, this is um, this is another bit that's that's handled okay in Genesis, although they've cast Jai Courtney, which is just bizarre because it's not even a remotely similar physical type. <laughs> but yeah, this is grim. This is really the this to me is like the poster boy from the tone of the film. I yeah. mean, it, it's a grim alley with like you know homeless people in it and stuff like that. And then when he does actually sort of steal some clothes off that guy and pull, pull them on, they're horrible jogging bottoms and stuff like that. This is pretty grim, and it hurts because he lands. He sort of falls from sort of midway up the side of a building, basically yeah. as he comes through. He doesn't land as elegantly as Arnie, and he hits the ground. And it is described a bit later on as like being born, and you sort of almost feel that, you know? Mm. It's painful. Plus also you see the amount of scars that's on him. But he's Absolutely. Got, yeah. uh, he sort of, so obviously it's like someone who's been through like wars. Um, and uh, yeah, one of the things I picked up, and I, and I don't know... I, I, I did pick up as like as soon as he like he steals like the tramp's clothes like the, he's he's already chased by the police and I wondered why it's always like is that because they're looking for Arnie? It's never no, as probably think... established, but I wondered no, like, I think what that I, was. No, I, actually, you might be right. I thought it was happening around the same time, and yeah. I thought it was the electrical disturbance. I thought yeah. something was just happening yeah, down yeah. there. They yeah. went to have a look, and when they flash a light down there, it <laughs> looks like he's basically stealed some stuff, yeah. stealed stolen some clothes off some bum. 
Yeah. So, hey, possibly, you stole my pants. Or possibly even more unsavoury activities. Or possibly even... <laughs> he, he might have bummed some bum. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it was just it was just a thought, because I, 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 it's happened, I thought, hang on, how, how do the police know what, like... It's like they always go, oh, there, that, there he is. It's always just like, hang on, how do they know they're looking for him? He's like, he just got it. He just, you know, he just arrived. Um, so I did, so I did I think about it a bit, but I figured it probably is, you know, what Arnie did before, and they probably sort of like the similar sort of story, electrical, something happened, you know, random yeah. naked guy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah I, th- I think this opening sequence as well, this, this sequence um, kind of sets up that the film is basically just one big chase. Yeah, and the, the intensity is is kind of kept up, but it's really kind of energized by this first sequence, um, and it kind of sets out the store for what the film is is going to be. Um, I mean, the, the it's again really interesting that even though we know Arnie is the Terminator from the poster and everything, it's still the way Cameron um, has these two arrive at the same time. Follows both of, both of them along, doing as they hunt Sarah, but it's not until after um, the Technoir sequence that Arnie that they show Arnie's Terminator vision for the first time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. We don't know he's not human. Yeah, um, he's unlikely to be human because he's got freakish strength. He's ripped someone's fucking guts out. Um, and the film is called The Terminator. I don't think there's any great shocks. I think it's well, no. no. <laughs> Start with I think. I think Kyle's again. If you've ever seen a film, you'll figure it out. But with suspension of disbelief, it is possible to say of the two of them, we're not quite sure what Kyle's motives are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would say that we don't know if it's that he's there as as a protector or literally, literally to stop the Terminator, which is yeah, the same thing he, but a different accent. He, on it. he could be. He could be another Terminator. Yeah. Yes, he could be. And again original ideas for this film were two competing Terminators. Yeah. The human accent aspect came later when they realised they couldn't do the effect and also started going down the sort of parentage of John Connor angle, which we'll get we'll get to. Mm. So they're both there now. Uh, there's a whole sequence where he's being chased through a closed department store because this is the middle of the night. I think we are given the time at some point, but I can't remember what it was. And he's going through that. And you, there's a bit where he sort of drops his foot and he's wearing either a night trainer or a converse trainer or something. He's basically stealing yeah. clothes as he wanders yeah. around there. And that scene is copied in, in Genesis as well. I'll stop talking about Genesis now. <laughs> shit. We'll get Genesis! Yeah. Yeah. He tasks me yeah. to talk about <laughs> it. Um, I'll chase him around Cyberdyne systems. <laughs> And across the Griffin Observatory. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of Rafcon, we got an actor who's, who's in Rafcon in this as well. So, oh yes, we do. We've got all kinds of crossovers going on here, haven't we? Uh, right, indulge me. Who? Uh, it's the we've oh, won the cops. So, yeah, that's one. Who? Terrell. Paul Winfield. Oh, of course, Paul Winfield. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the, the, the one with the shit in his ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's exactly what happens in that film. Again, I'm quite evocative. You don't need to watch it now. He had shit in his ears. Oh, Dave. <laughs> All right, anyway. Uh, so then I think we cut to... Um, we go straight to we... Sarah Connor. Riding a bike. We're in the daytime now. Yeah. She's driving to work on like what we think of as a moped in this country. A very kind of serene and calm music. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things, like, if you've never seen The Terminator and, you, and you've, like, flipped over, like... 
um, starting right at the beginning of the scene, you wouldn't have the thing. You wouldn't have the idea of the film it's about that that, that it actually is. You'd be thinking, "Oh, what's this pleasant sort of thing?" Yeah, Steel Magnolias, <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this is. Um, should we go to? Uh, she goes to work, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And she's basically a waitress. Um, and yeah, not a particularly good one by the look of it either. Yeah, she hasn't got a shit together really. She's she's yeah. running late. Um, even though, even though her like best friend and roommate, late. she's ser- she's late serving the wrong food, and a kid drops ice cream down the front of her. Yeah, I, I do I do like the way the way Cameron introduces it with her, her name with her the time clock though. Yeah. Does it? I, I, really? Yeah, I yeah. Think, you see Sarah yeah. Connor. You go. So you've got that visual because when yeah. we see her name, when we see the other Sarah Connors, we see them written down. Mm. Yeah. So that's that's just the delivery of that'll stick in your head better. Yeah, absolutely. Then hearing that verbally and seeing the other two written. Yeah. That's fucking brilliant. I thought of that. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, Arnie steals a car. Yeah, and goes to the sporting goods store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you sort of, it flits if, if, if between that, like, you know, with Arnie steals a car and then, um, you know, Sarah, Sarah, like, getting ice cream put on a, that thing of that. Uh, and then, yeah. Arnie at the gun, gun store, he's sort of like got a big list of like guns he wants. <laughs> some of which exist, some of which don't. Yeah, some of which like might not be available just yet. A rifle in the 40-watt range. Yeah. <laughs> just what you see, pal. What's up, Major? Just what you see here. This this, this is one of the films where, like, Aliens and Robocop, where I kind of grew up watching. They're, they're so brilliantly quotable. And it's just, it's all seared in my memory. But um, I was, when I was watching this earlier, um, and talking to my wife, who also brought up the, the fact that the, seeing the Terminator screen for the first time after the Technorasi. Um but um, that without going into too it, much that. Yeah. yeah, without going into too much politics, America as it is today and you have him and he says, so what will it be? Oh, <laughs> and it's kind of, you can take there'll be a 14 day wait on the handguns but you can take the rifles now yeah it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh my take God. all the harmless shit <laughs> I think I, I was thinking about I think the idea is like handguns are more conceivable like you can walk yeah, yeah. I think that's it's the idea of it alright okay uh, yeah. like, still, I it think just, it's it also just... that the lawmaking can be quite piecemeal over there and it times out and stuff so they'll pass a law on certain things and by the time that expires, there isn't like an administration in place that wants to pass anything similar. Yeah. So, so you will have these random bits like banned for a bit or difficult to get. Mm. You know. Yeah. I mean, did did he, did he have a driving license? I, <laughs> I don't know. Of... I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, I, it was the eighties, and um, I, is he credited as like pawn shop? Uh, I, I don't know. So he could say he was like a dodgy one, but I don't know. I mean, Just, I, I'm, 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 I'm not that astute. You, I'm going to close up now. Yeah, yeah. You'd have assumed that he would have got to that point before being murdered. Yeah, but um, yeah, it, it just kind of stood out. And then you've got plus it's a film as well. You got to like, you got to go like, go right. Firstly, here's the paperwork, and <laughs> oh, yeah. is that why he shoots him? Because I've never understood that. I know he's a Terminator, but he's got no reason. He could have just walked out with that. I presume so. Yeah, because he didn't kill everybody else. Because that guy he's... on the phone later, he doesn't kill him. He just pulls him out. I the think way. I think he just like kills people he needs to. Like you know, it's yeah, it's one yeah. of those things. Like, oh, right, um... so he needed to kill him because he probably didn't have enough money. And but, but also, fruit. you got to think it's easy to like just pull the guy out way, but it's quite easy just to pick up a shell and just shoot him. It's one of those things, I think. Okay. 
Yeah, you can imagine the little decision things going off in his mind. Yeah, and based on the based on what historical records he had as well. Yeah, the they, that's the point we get to a little bit later. But we can talk about it now. When Kyle's interviewed by police later on, he explains that most records were lost in the war. Yeah, but all they've got is a name in a city. So the very next scene, that scene hasn't happened yet. But Arnie goes up, pulls someone out of the way of a payphone, looks through looks through like the telephone directory. And comes to the first Sarah Connor he sees. Mm. Yeah. And that's it. Goes to the door and it's just some middle-aged housewife, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He, he says, Sarah Connor. She says yes. He kicks the door open and kills her. Um, she wasn't then, the right Sarah Connor. Well, no, if she like, was, like, like he says, he's being systematic. Like it's the wrong one. Yeah, you go through each one. Yeah, Thank literally. Wasn't bang, bang, bang. If, our, if our lady was Sarah A. Connor, we'd have had a problem. Um, yeah, so she's it's pointed out to our Sarah that, that this has happened. Mm. Um, and then I think that we get to the evening where they're going out on dates. Yeah. And yeah, effe- yeah effectively, Sarah's date cancels at the last minute. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so she decides to go for a movie. Meanwhile, you have like the cops are basically sort of like assessing the fact that, oh, hang on, you got, you got multiple Sarah Connors here. Well, yeah, yeah, there's, there's cases Sarah two. Connor. The, se- the, the second Sarah Connor is killed around this time, yes. Yeah. And um, I, 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 can I say, I love these two cops. I don't, I don't know what it is, but they just like, they, they just come across as like people. I, I, I love the fact that it's such a silly little point. Yeah. But I love the fact that he asked for a cigarette. And then yeah, yeah. <laughs> they realise he's already smoking one. It's the physical playing of it. It's just yeah. like, are oh, these two are great? Yeah, and, and the way Lance Henderson keeps trying to tell little stories, yeah, but always gets oh, yeah. interrupted. Yeah, but you you kind of get always get the vibe that like these two are really actually you know, close working working yes. buddies, yeah. and um, and they both kind of like sort of like take the piss out of each other, or have little sort of little mind little sort of digs here and there, kind of thing. Like sort of thing he's trying to like sort of tell him details. He's like these work, you know, referring to his glasses. Well, he but, keeps telling Traxler, you know, you look like shit and things like that, yeah. and also. When he says "go call her," well, I have. So they're, they're yeah, actually yeah. they talk. You know, none of this quasi-military sort of uh, chain of command yeah. things. So they talk to each other quite openly. And they're quite a nice pairing. And actually, both of them, particularly Paul Winfield, makes a disproportionate um, impression. Given he's not in the film very long. No. The whole thing, start to finish, is probably about ten minutes, and his screen time is probably less than three. Yeah. Yeah, but they do make a lasting impression. I mean, I do kind of feel sorry for when they get killed later on. It is like, oh, no, I like those guys. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, so we have that going on. So all this is kind of like, there's, I've got notes about this. is very, um, very short scenes that kind of tell you, like, this happening, this happening at the same time, right, this happening. You sort of, so you see a bit of Kyle Reese, but like what Terminator is doing, what the cop's doing, you know. All this is kind of like going all at once. Yeah, you do see little shots of Kyle like sawing off a shotgun yeah. and things like that and hiding one in his coat and walking around and spotting Sarah. We don't yet know how he knows what Sarah looks like. And of course, the T-800 doesn't know what's, what Sarah looks like at this point, but he's about to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think I think the car Reese, the shotgun car Reese is seen is right after Arnie kills Dick Miller. So I think it's a nice cross-cutting of what they have in their armory to, to deal with each yeah. other. He's got what he to can do grab with whatever. and yeah. improvise, and Arnie's gone into a store and just taken everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
and he's already physically superior and stronger anyway. So yeah, this guy's going to be quite up against it. We've also seen Arnie put his hand through like car windows and shit like that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we may not know he's a. T- we may not know for definite he's a cyborg at this point. Um, but it, it's obvious something is going on with him. We do know he's a cyborg because we've gone to see this film. But yeah. <laughs> but but in, in terms of what in universe we're told, this guy is is formidable. We know he is. She goes out and gets the feeling she's uh, being followed, and she mm. also spots the, the news one... article in the bar that another Sarah Connor's been killed. Yeah, yeah there's the, the the cops put a call out, don't they? They uh, they, they they decide actually, you know, let's let's make them come to us. Let's yeah, make them let, 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 let's use them for a change. So they um, so she tries to she she tries to go to uh, Tech Noir, doesn't she? And uh, uh, she needs to find a payphone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in fact, I think she leaves the bar and then feels like she's being followed. Yeah. Yeah. Which she is. Kyle's around. Yeah. Uh, so she heads into this bar, has to pay to get in there. Everyone's doing that movie dancing where they're really over dancing. Yeah. It was like slow it's really motion. swinging their arms. I think they, they put the music on afterwards, so they're just kind of told, oh, do a generic dance or whatever, and then they lay the music on. That often happens. Yeah. I think that's probably why they're overdoing it. So. I know, but anyway... But yeah, so they, she, yeah, yeah, that's she, what, yeah, she pulls in, and of course, <laughs> conventional police logic: you're safe because you're in public. Mm. Yeah. So he's like, "Stay visible. We'll have a car there." Yeah. Um... At the same time, basically, Arnie kills her flatmate and boyfriend. Yeah. And just as after that all happens, that's where the film really feels like a slasher. Mm-hmm. And after that all happens, he hears the voicemail message from Sarah. So he realizes he hasn't got the one he was there for. And then he finds uh, an ID badge for her. So he now knows what she looks like. And she's left a message saying where she is. Yeah. yeah the, the way the way he sets up with her wearing, with Ginger's wearing the headphones and listening to the music. So she doesn't hear anything while he's killing her boyfriend. And then that shot when he just is thrown out of the door in front of her. As she's just walking up, it's just amazing, and that's a real mm. slasher shot. Mm. Sorry, real repeat that. Sh- which shot? Sorry, where 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 she's where you see her walking towards the camera as with she food with her her food, hand. yeah, and you see him in the foreground being th- thrown out of the splintering door. Absolutely, yeah, and everything just goes flying, and it's like just the way it's like she just sort of like just sort of just flies forward when she gets shot, it's just like oh, you know, yeah, and you can and every time as well. It's not just one bullet or two yeah. bullets. He, he empties whole magazines into them yes. to make sure that his job is done. So, yeah, so we're, about to, we're about to get to, effectively, sort of the end of the first act, if you like, because we're yeah. about to get the first smackdown. Uh, so they, they're both zooming in on Tech Noir now. And, of course, we'll take as read at the moment that Carl knows what she looks like. Um, yeah. We'll find out why later. And, uh, yeah, Arnie's on his way there. She dodges him once. He walks by and he's looking just as mm. she drops something. Yeah, she knocks over a bottle. What did you make of this scene, uh, Becca? The first sort of smackdown. It's really, really well done. It's yeah. quite sort of terrifying as well. I think it's a kind lot. of it's done with the right amount of suspense and action. Um, yeah, iconic, iconic scene for sure. There's a lot of kind of like when he's kind of zooming in, like on you know, on the target as well. And I remember sort of seeing this when I went to go see it recently in the cinema and was like. Oh my god! Literally on the edge of my seat. Yeah, it, slows, it slows down. You always feel like you know you sort of seen it from Sarah's point of view because obviously she's like probably frozen with fear and everyone everything just yeah. kind of like goes like slow. And you think yeah. like you kind of like 
what the fuck's going on? <laughs> it also, it doesn't only slow down her being killed, it slows down someone rescuing her. Yeah, yeah. wait an eterminally long time for Kyle to shoot at him. And the whole, the whole place is red as well. It's lit red, um, which looks amazing. Yeah, it's very yeah, stark, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's a, just that shot of Kyle in slow motion unfurling his coat and cocking the, uh, the shotgun. He's great. They, they did yeah. talk it's just, about, it's they, iconic. They did talk about how they cast him for a certain gentleness. They sort of, once they decided they wanted to do the love angle, you know, they they really needed someone that could connect with Linda Hamilton quickly, rather than just some tough military type, which is what they kept looking at. Mm. And I think he's really really great in this film. Every time I watch this film, I'm amazed Michael Bean wasn't a bigger star than he was. Yeah, I I saw that, and I, I kind of think they're the same because he's, he's got the looks. You know, he's, he's kind of really got it all, and it's like. Why, you know, why wasn't he like the big Hollywood star? Definitely. Mm. But, oh well. Probably because Arnold, Arnold was in his uh, breakthrough as well. So yeah, everyone came back the film talking about this fucking great muscle Austrian <laughs> fella. Yeah, to be fair. <laughs> but, but, I but yeah, so. I suppose that this one who's yeah. probably a bit more subtle and yeah. a bit more like. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah. Uh, somewhere around here, I used to watch T1 and think, why does he look so different than he did in T2? And I used to think, is it just the hair? Because his hair's floppier earlier in the film, although that changes. After the first sort of skirmish, he goes to like something spikier, like the edge of his hair's been singed or something. Uh, And I thought, is it because he's bigger? What it is, is he goes very Cro-Magnon man because effectively the film burns off his eyebrows. Yeah. Obviously with the actor, they have to put prosthetics over the top. So he's now got a slightly ridged like brow line and no eyebrows. It really does. It is quite unsettling how he looks now. And at the same time, Arnold Schwarzenegger is moving his eyes before he moves his head and neck. Yeah. Yeah. It does look very kind of machine like, that was his idea. He said, well, we'd be mm. scanning with the eyes first, wouldn't you? Yeah, rather than be like, well, machine-like, but as a machine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've got a bit of a chase and shoot shoot mm. down and all that now. Yeah. Come with me if you want to live, which is... Yeah, yeah come with me if you want to live. No, the, uh, Carl Reese says it. <laughs> come with me if you <laughs> want to live. I've got to Carl, do it all. Kyle, why accent? are you doing Sorry. this in an Austrian accent? <laughs> it's got to be done. He hasn't even spoken yet. How did you know he's <laughs> How do you know he's not spoken? But no, again, it's one of those iconic lines, isn't it? You kind of you see it on a T-shirt. It's been quoted endlessly for thirty-five years plus. Um, it's just an iconic line, really, isn't it? Should have had it printed on a T-shirt, just in case the club was loud. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just pull down on it and go. Hey, I look. This was the eighties, after all. Without, without, without going too much into T two, which obviously we'll do next time. This is the the, the we difference do between Terminator Two. Where we spend a lot of time talking about Terminator One. Well, yeah, but the, the way that, that line is used in Terminator Two versus is, yes. in here, and he says yeah. it to her in the asylum. In yeah, 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 and there's, it's almost kind of like a benign kind of. Um, it, it's just it's oh, a it, smile. It's to orient us to. Oh, he's not going to kill me. Yeah, it's not bad in that one, but again, everything it, here, it when it comes up in T two, it's like they've watched T one to pick out the bits that stand out. Yeah. Whereas here, they just come out organically. He's just written in the line, "Come with me if you want to live," because "Come with me if you want to live." Yeah, <laughs> the I line's mean, there because he needs to say something like that to her, so she follows him. And another thing I, I watched earlier today was was the uh, the new Halloween, 
And because that is supposedly it's a, it's a sequel to the first film. Yeah, it might um, not be my genre, but I was bored well, fucking stiff by that film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, and, yeah, and and it does the same thing. It repeats lines. It repeats scenes. It repeats shots. It repeats little movements, and it kind of cross, comes across in the, the same way. Um, that where it kind of almost kind of cheapens it a bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that film actually understood what made the first one great. Anyway, it just felt like it just no, felt it's like more it... like a repeat or kind of like fan service almost. It's like just kind of like repeating history, repeating basically. Well, the, the thing that got me—I think someone else made this point. I was listening to a podcast, but it's like thinking like, well, why, why is why is my you know, considering that the rest of the this like the only original film is canon, right? You only go enough that. Well, what's the thing with the mask then? Because he literally just pulled that mask. He only actually grabbed that mask just. Out of chance, the other time he, he killed was with a um, a clown mask when when he was a kid. So why is this like why is this like sort of podcaster going like sort of like pulling out the mask as if it's this big sentimental thing for him? You know, it's like why, yeah. would, he care? why would he care? You know, surely this in this film he'd have a different mask and that might make it a bit more interesting. You know, he might pull a, you know might might as well have a different new look, different mask. But well, I guess all these long bodies. Do you know what I mean? But it's just like purely their iconography. I know, but I don't understand why. But it's just like felt like no, nah, that's that's a more of a. You're not really you know, thought this hence through. By, hence by the sort of fifth Nightmare on Elm Street film, he's a fucking stand-up comedian or something. Yeah. Because it I, all becomes its iconography. Yeah, I, th- I think the idea the idea was that at that point he wasn't Michael Myers, so Michael so what his true identity is that mask. Okay. So that was where it kind of, that's where I've seen it came from. That's why he kind of at least had it in the next. But the kind of general film. point, anyway, though that the, the, it, it, there is a tendency towards fan service once you produce something that's big and popular. Yeah, yeah, let's get into fan service definitely. Moving into like the comedy genre just briefly, that's what's always impressed me about something like Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge, everyone goes, it's a load of catchphrases, and it's like, no, it isn't, because he uses nearly all of them once only. I mean, he said yeah. our heart in every show, obviously, but like all of the stuff you ever hear quoted of Alan Partridge, he virtually only ever said it once on camera. They really bashed it, you fool. He never, <laughs> he never went out and re-said stuff. Yeah, yeah true. Um, and yeah, the Terminator's guilty of that. Most of it works in T2, to be fair. But yeah, the chase here, basically the key point is he starts to try to explain to Sarah what's going on. These are, you've been targeted for termination. Uh, the 600 series were had rubber skin. We spotted those. These are different. They've got skin, bad breath, everything like that. Um, Arnold obviously has his eyebrows burnt off, his hair sort of burnt, singed at least. Uh, and this whole thing sort of ends with them in a car park and, and Arnold driving into a wall, doesn't it? Mm. It's, it's, it's a really clever way to get exposition across. Yeah, because you've got mixed yeah. mixed with the action. Because you always have a break, don't they, when they're hiding in the car park? Yeah, and and she's like trying to get yeah. away. It's, there was a nuclear war. Mm. This place, this whole place. Yeah, but mm. but the fact that that there's, there's, he's still telling it as as well while they're driving around in this chase. Mm. Yeah, um, and and so you've got the tension of the chase plus finding out at the same time being given this information. Um, which is which is really a lot better than the usual. Let, let me stop not, everything and explain everything by PowerPoint. Well, it's, kind it's, of thing. Yeah. Not only that, she's scared, but yeah. his mood is changing as well. Because at one minute he's 
in the midst of action and he's having a yell at her and basically say, do exactly what I say. And then there's a quieter moment. And then there's a bit of a history moment where he talks about John Connor and stuff like that. Although that might be a bit later, actually, when they talk a bit later on. But, you know, that sort of thing all comes up. And we don't get more detail than we need because the film has decided that the characters don't know. The future doesn't have much from our time. Our yeah. time being 1984. Um, so there's a nuclear war. T2 goes, you know, knocks itself out trying to explain everything. Well, you would because it's a sequel. But this film is just, there was a nuclear war. Don't really matter why, there was a nuclear war. Yeah. You had a child. He's what turned it round. Yeah. And Arnold crashes into the war, which is important to start putting some damage on him. Yeah. And then yeah. they're taken to the police station. They're yeah. taken and then there's Doctor Dr. Silverman. Yeah, who, who again, is just a pure comedy figure by the time you get to the third one. Yeah, yeah he becomes a comic relief, doesn't he? I love it here, because he's it, genuinely, although he's a bit thoughtless, because he's like almost celebrating this in front of Sarah, Yeah, his, his professional curiosity has been peached. That's all it is. It's like, the detail, this is brilliant. And the fact that he can't doesn't have to prove any of it, because it yeah. it's all vague, and yeah. it's amazing. Um, yeah, he interviews him, and Kyle just, you know, he's giving him his service number and telling him all this stuff. And I'm thinking, Kyle must know this this isn't going to work, <laughs> but he just does it anyway. It's the one bit of the film that doesn't feel right to me. It's like, well, Kyle, why are you saying this so straight to him? I watched it. Uh, I watched it like in uh, T2, thinking of Sarah Connor in that film, like thinking, why are you playing it like a mental person? Surely, <laughs> mm. yeah. you, know, you know, you're right. Why are you like? Overacting the I'm a crazy psychopath thing element. Surely that's that now. next week because again, Sarah, Sarah Connor becomes Linda Hamilton remains great, but yeah. Sarah Connor becomes a fucking cliche next week. Um, mm. but anyway, but a lot of fans will see it as like she's stronger next week, yeah. and I don't. I think they've just stripped her away to like really quite one dimensional. But um. So where do we go from here? The, oh, of course, Arnie, mm. the, Arnie does go back and sort his eye in basically his, not his wrist, kind of his forearm. The servos in yeah. damaged. So he cuts into all that and sort of releases some catch on, that was affecting his fingers. And he takes out one of his eyes. So we see the red eye. And of course, the thing that you may not occur to is later on, like the landlord or something, or the hotel owner or whatever it is, knocks on the door and says, have you got like a dead cat in there or something? Basically, this guy's flesh is now decaying. Yeah. So he stinks. Not at this point, but later on he Yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. It's pretty grim. Um, it's, it's, when, he, when he cuts his eye out, it's amazing. That's an incredible yes. effect. I, I must say, I winced a little bit in you know when well, I saw I that, and I was like, "It's Ooh. quite obviously an animatronic, but it's still it really is, but it's, it's very well done, yeah. and it's but also Chinese hands that are doing the surgery as well." Yeah, and when, when he's when he's kind of got that that shot of him from the side, where he where just he puts the scalpel up to the eye. yeah, mm, that, really that, cleverly that really, done, really kind of sells what he's doing. It yeah. does. Yeah. Really well made. Yeah, so he heads to the police station. Uh, to, to, to as a friend of Sarah Connor's, <laughs> and again, he looks around the frame of the sort of reception area, and he, you see him just weighing up. How easy is this to collapse? Yeah, and he he's, just leans in and he, says, "He's there looking, oh, the, yeah, yeah." Like you sort of, all right, well, there's there's the entrance there. I can sort of get yeah. through there. And I just need to get through. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Whereas it, it's not this big declarative line. We're all celebrating because we're Terminator fans. <laughs> it bothers all me. Together now. Uh, 
most of the stuff Charlie's pointed out tonight, I take his point. I think, yeah, you're right. You're just using it as fan service. But most of the time, they get it enough into context that I go, yeah, I can see why that line's there. I can see why it's worded that way. That's okay. It's, I've got a bad feeling about this. You know what I mean? Um, would would Han Solo and everyone else word it the exact same way every time? No, but it fits. Um, but I'll be back jars every fucking week from now on. <laughs> does it yeah, jar? Just get a bit used. Does it jar every Arnie performance though? Like every every Arnie film when he because I've good. never really thought about it outside of this franchise. I've read, I've only ever seen it once in Running Man. It, no, it's in. Uh, I think I think it's like the trending Commando. Because he told right. he told Bennett, "I'll be back, Bennett." Well, I, yeah, I, th- I think because he doesn't, because he, he uses his name. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he says, "I'll be back." I'll be back. So there, I, it I, evokes it rather than copies. I, it. I think he said. Yeah. I think he said it. Let's take it out of context. Pretty much every film up to the point of um, Last Action it's, Hero, where he kind of like took the piss out of it. It is still a Terminator line, though. It is originally. Very from much that. so. <laughs> I mean, and then when he went into politics, it was ludicrous. Uh, uh, his speeches he all were all, oh. all lines from his films. Speaking yeah. of Last Action Hero, um, in that in that universe, uh, Stallone's the Terminator, isn't he? Yeah, I've not seen it. Still, there's a there's a bit in a video shop where they show like a stand, a standee, and uh, of T from T two, and it's got Stallone in it. Was that Photoshop, of... or did Stallone get involved in that? I don't know. Oh, no, probably just... pose or something. It's probably just a Photoshop. Yeah. Right, or whatever equivalent a Photoshop was then. Yeah, you okay. should watch it because you see Arnie doing uh, Hamlet. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. <laughs> to be or not to be. Not to I be. Get the impression it's <laughs> the action, I get the impression it's the action genre's version of New Nightmare. Yeah, essentially. Um, and I like New Nightmare. As I say, you can get very one-dimensional in what you think I think of horror. Um, there's loads of horror I like. I just have a conceptual problem with the, the genre, if you like. Sure, but, yeah. But New Nightmare, I liked, and it pisses all over Scream, which is trying to do the same thing. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think I get the impression, because Last Action Hero came out to a slating, and I get the impression from everything everyone's ever told to me is people just misunderstood what it was. Yeah. And thought it was a big slap on the back, whereas actually it's a bit of satire. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Um, yeah. There is a deep, there is a deep fake of our, of uh, Sly in T two. If you go onto YouTube, oh, really? there's a deep, there, yeah, there's a deep fake of him in it, just like they've got one of Andrew Garfield in the new Spider Man films and stuff. Which that's creepy. A fucking nightmare. Who'd want that? Oh my god. Um, yeah, that's well, really like, we, good old know, day where he cried every two minutes. Nothing wrong with more Andrew Garfield, but just not in Spider Man. No, not Andrew Garfield. I meant Tobey Maguire. <laughs> oh, I said Toby Maguire. Sorry, no. Toby Maguire has been deep faked into the new ones. And I'm Sly, have to have a look at that. That's Sly, Sly interesting. T two. So the next thing, Arnie basically just drives drives his car right through the yeah. sort of entrance to the police, and it's this is just fantastic. This sequence where he's just taking everybody down a terrified police station with Sarah on like a grotty, flea bitten old sofa. That, mm. that, that is deceptively comfy. <laughs> which is supposedly really comfy, but it looks horrible. You've got Kyle sort of shot in one room, mm. and this this thing going around killing everybody. Yeah, and you, and you sort of get an aspect. You think of like police stations; these sort of like this in movies anyway, like these big, massive like fortresses. But this yeah. feels like very much like small, like a few rooms. Yeah, it is. It's not that big a station. It it could even be over another building. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's a few 
rooms upstairs or something. I just thought about this and I couldn't help. And I, again, I don't want to sound like I'm just Brosnan bashing because it wasn't his fault. But I look at it and I just think this is like how you do gunplay compared to say like Tomorrow Never Dies, where he's yeah. on the boat just waving the fucking gun around and firing it like it's raid. You know, just like, oh, another little spray there and another little spray there. All the shooting here has got a fucking point. Yes. Um, He's loading it, isn't he? He's like... There's, there's a couple of couple of moments where I did wonder if some of these, these sequences contributed to what is now known as the first-person genre in video games. Uh-huh. Possibly. Because yeah, okay. Very specific scenes where you see the gun in his view of the, the in his Terminator view, as exactly as it would be, kind of in a in a video game. And yeah, it, just, I would agree. I do think that is kind of where you know the very origins of it lie for sure. Just, it just made me think of that in context of that. No, I would I would agree yeah, the same well, as well. I'd be thinking the same. Doom didn't launch till the early nineties. Yeah. But I do think that's kind of where you know the very idea kind December of December hatched as well. Yeah. Okay. Also, just to go back to Tomorrow Never Dies as well, there is a there is a that that scene kind of literally where he's like, is it you talking about the scene kind of where he's like mowing down sailors and things like that? There is a sense. No, I'm talking issue. about no, I'm talking about the thing at the very end of the film where he's oh, on the boat no, with Wei Ling and he's just yeah, waving literally. this gun around and then suddenly he'll point it up at something and fire a bit more and it is like just going around with bug spray or something. It's just so <laughs> just a little bit there, a little bit, there, a little bit, there, there, a little bit, there, there, little bit there. There. It's Richie and Eddie apparently. putting the sex spray on themselves in bugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, and a little bit there. It's, it's, right. it's all good. It's just random. Um, no, it is yeah, a little it, bit um, um, like shooting bonds, definitely. I, I, it's one of those things that you just think, in that case, it just tells you the weapon's not suited to the character by and large because the creatives that are tuned into that character don't know what to do with that weapon. Whereas like Jim Cameron is suited to all this stuff. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. He's very good with sort of high capacity weapons and stuff just because mm. his films have it. And he, he kind of keeps it the right side of, as opposed to Neil Blomkamp who kind of fetishizes it. Yeah. Whereas Cameron still kind of th- uses it as a as a utility rather than anything else this scene isn't long this scene would be two to three times as long with other directors yeah in fact it might be with cameron now but cameron in the mid 80s kept this fairly short because it doesn't start to grate on the effectiveness of the fear factor of the terminator would actually lessen with too much exposure to him so sequences oh, yeah, like that, you keep him short you keep it short then you move on He's just this shock tactic. He's just come in as this blast. But, but also, we've never seen him actually go through properly armed like areas before. He's just like been like, oh, that person there, that person there, chasing Carl and, and He Sarah. shot a housewife. He shot a yeah. guy in a gun shop who didn't physically have a gun on his body, even though he was surrounded by a load of them. He's gone into a nightclub full of young people just dancing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he so this is the first, first time he's actually gone in with armed how security. Much damage, how much damage can he ship? Yeah. Well, it's evidently a fair bit at, at 1984 weapons level. Yeah. So it's again, it's another like sort of like, oh shit, what do you do? And it's I think it's like another sort of um, establishing of I won't say his powers, <laughs> but it's not. But you know, maybe that's the wrong term. But but uh, in terms of his um, invulnerability, like just how unstoppable he is. 
The other thing, the other thing we've learned and we haven't mentioned is we did mention they come through the time portal naked. Um, mm. They can't carry anything inanimate, so that's why they're not bringing like absolute destructive mm. weapons from the future. They can't. Mm. And he does explain this to Sarah. He said, "Well, you know, can you stop him?" Well, with what we've got here, you know, with today, you know, with with your tech, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, so he he he, um, he managed to to get the two cops are killed, as is most of the people there. Yeah. That gets referenced again in T two uh, next week. I did find the eighties did like throwing people out of windows. I'm sure we saw that in T two, which is nineties, obviously. <laughs> but then I thought of Beverly Hills Cop, where where um, Axel was arrested for after being chucked out of a window. <laughs> <laughs> What's the charge? Did you keep walking? <laughs> Robocop has got Robocop has got lots of people thrown through windows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a whole scene with multiple well, <laughs> like same person. Scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So um, then they escape, and then they go to they find a, a little. Uh, yeah, the bridge. car are petrol, and they're just yeah. sort of like. Let's let's get this off the road, and they just like they take all the stuff out of it, and they just push the car. And I just and it sort of disappears at a shot. I'm expecting it to pick up speed, and then you hear to an <laughs> almighty crash off camera, you know? and then Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life, you know, I'm all right, I'm all right. <laughs> it just made me laugh when they when yeah, they like, splash off water. the road, then they just pushed it, and it, that was it. <laughs> but they go into like this little tunnel, don't they? What yeah. looks like a sewer yeah. or something. And Kyle just tells more story and more backstory. Mm. We we pick up little details across these stories that dogs react to Terminators. She asks about the women. The women are tough. So he hasn't been around a lot of femininity as we would understand mm. it today. Just said about it's another example of show don't tell with the exposition where he, she asks him to tell him about what about his time. And it goes into that whole flashback. Yeah, we don't, we don't hear him say a lot. Mm. We yeah. just go and see it, you know, how how brutal they are. I, I can't remember one of the shots. I think it's earlier when he's having a dream, actually. There's a lot of, like, middle-of-the-night shots on, like, building sites and things like that. And he has, yeah, a, dream, right. he has a dream where he gets burnt. That That is one of the worst effects in the film, actually, because the fire is very obviously superimposed. But you can just see what a horrible, tough life he's had. They're permanently yeah. under attack. There's no warmth. Anything they eat, and we find that out as we go along, is purely about nutrition, nothing to do with enjoying anything you eat. They eat something called plastique. Um, Sarah falls asleep, and you can actually start to see here that Kyle's got feelings for her because he is looking at her face and touching her face and things like that. Nothing too creepy, but it's definitely he's got a feeling there. And also, we do see the photo of her in the future. Yeah, I, I read. Yeah. I, I, what's really works about the flashbacks for me is like I think most uh, most films, especially these days, they would you'd probably have like a whole like ten minutes, like you know establishing scene and the big action scene of of the future you know just to set but this one kind of like just pays it in with like certain little flashbacks with key moments but he, of but he, he also says to uh, her one yeah. one possible future yeah it, we don't need to see much of it because it's a completely abstract concept the moment he arrives back in 1984 mm. but it's just clever yeah. little world building isn't it it's just very yeah. sort of like do it on the go you just like just piece by mm. piece and mm. don't stop the film from moving on uh, the dog thing is key the dog thing pays mm. off 
nearly everything sets up here. They can kill the you know, Terminators with their weapons from then, but even then, it's really tough. Hmm. And we're thirty-five years further back from that at this point. Uh, when the yeah, and the, 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 the he's got a picture of her as she kind of looks in this film, hmm. yeah, uh, which burns, and we we get some of that later. Uh, why, why that is, and and the shot of that other Terminator walk, walking there with the gun with the eyes yeah. glowing, it's really really good shot. With what? Sorry, the, you know the, the, where how that scene ends with the Terminator probably firing that big massive gun, sort of like with the yeah, red the, eyes glowing. Yeah, yeah. The red eyes are in themselves an iconic part of the mm. series. Yeah. Uh, then I think they go to head for a hotel, don't they? Yeah, and then it's where they. Uh... Yeah, because he mentions the plastic when he goes off, when he starts making the bombs. Yeah, he goes and buys mothballs and a load of like stuff that can be made into this <laughs> plastic. Yeah. Um, at the same time, uh, the Terminator has got hold of like her address book, mm-hmm. and she's going through it and finds out where Mum is, where her mother lives, which is grim. And that's the point where the landlord like knocks on the door and he's like, "Have you got a dead cat?" Yeah. yeah. So he's smelling. He's smelling Stinky. bad. Yeah, that, that that's the fuck you asshole. Yeah, so he he he, oh, he, he heads he heads to mother, kills her. You don't see it though, do you? You just sort of you don't just... see it. Yeah, no, you see they speak on the phone, mother and daughter. We think she's begging mm, to know where she twist. is, and it turns out this Terminator can do voices. Yeah, we, but we knew that earlier from when he did the cop police officer. Yeah, we see, saw that. That's right, yes, he did the police officer. Yeah, yeah. He did but the it's, 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 it's that really good shot where you hear you hear the mother's voice and it pans across her house and you see the door being that's got hole in it and you yeah. see that's all a mess. And, she, and, then, and he sat in a really comfy armchair. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Really well thought out. I love you too, sweetheart. He's a very stylist. Yeah. yeah it's a bit me, creepy. Give me your address there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he calls the hotel. Calls the hotel. That's literally how he sounds. That's really good. Give me your address. Uh, and then Kyle and um, Kyle and Sarah sort of. It, it reminds me of T two. He stands guard all night, basically, while she sort of sleeps. Yeah. The rest of it. That's when he asks about the women and whether there was somebody in her, his life and stuff like that. And then he starts actually saying. Um, he had a photo of Sarah and he'd fallen in love with that photo. It was given to her by John when, you know, given to him by John when she was about the age she is now. We'll find out it's literally a few months later. Yeah, because it's like, it's, it's actually the photo he's he's been like obsessing over really for the past, because it's like the only thing is he's had, but he got through a lot of stuff. Every line of her face, yeah, it's all he had. And it was given to John on that basis. You, you will fall in love with that photo. And he volunteered. There's the line of dialogue where he's sort of like, he's saying, oh, um, examined every line and like I mean, sort of had such a like sort of slight, sort of slightly sad face. I always wondered what you were thinking of that time, but you think we get by the time he gets to the end of the film, you realise she was actually thinking of him. Thinking so it's a very kind of like mm. really mm. weird sort of. It's it's exa- it's 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 just like somewhere in time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Where, exactly uh, like somewhere. Where the time. photo Christopher Reeve fell in love with, she was looking at him. Mm. Cheesy as fuck that film, but that is quite sweet. That bit, yeah. But it's, it's, it's exactly the sort of same. We're going to have to start doing a Valentine's Day commentary because I can't force <laughs> that. I can't. I can't force that in at Christmas. So we're going to have to do it at some point, aren't we? So, yeah. so after like Kyle and her have had this talk about you know 
uh, he's always been in love with her. He mm. tries to go, he tries to go back to business, and she ensures he gets down to business. <laughs> exactly. As they start, I'm making love. <laughs> it contains some sexy yeah. scenes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Bean plays this like really well because obviously he's he's someone who's a bit like socially awkward because obviously he's like. He's, well, you do wonder if he's ever had sex. Well, yeah, I mean... And then you I, think, I, when he comes up from a rough environment, there must have been someone round you could shag. But, but he, he probably he probably hasn't had loving sex with anybody. I, don't, I, I get the feeling that, well, I, I, in my mind, you know, I think he was a virgin. I think he, don't think he... I don't think it was ever, ever interested in anyone at all. I, mean, I think it was just that kind of, like... Uh, it was like... You know, Fair enough. I mean, yeah. James Cameron would come out and prove me wrong. I don't know, but um... oh no, he was nobbing everyone. <laughs> James Cameron, 2014. Yeah, do yeah. do do Harry okay. Potter. Oh, by the way, double balls gay. Yeah, okay, <laughs> great. Fair enough. Um... Fine, but I, had you really thought about that when you wrote it, or have you just decided like ten minutes ago? You know, all right. Anyway, uh, yeah, they, they basically, what we later find out, well, we've worked it out by now, haven't we, really? She conceives John here. Yeah. John here. To really, to really slow piano rendition of the Terminator theme tune. Yeah. <laughs> and a really strange edit in the, the minute of the middle of the scene. I always thought there was a cut version. I thought the uncut version must have some really graphic sex in it, but it's in every version. That sudden cut between two different frames. But yeah, there you go. Um... And then we cut to a bit later that day, and it's not you know, quite Team America, though. No, no, they do not piss and shit on each other. No, <laughs> the, I love the uncut version of that scene is hilarious. Team America World Police has a sex scene in it between Marionette. <laughs> There's an uncut version in it that actually has a golden shower. I've not seen that. I'm gonna have to. I'll find it on YouTube for you. It's really funny. <laughs> I think I could probably give for that scene. Um... <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny that they went there, but they went there, funnily enough, because they knew stuff was going to be cut. So they put in some deliberately outrageous stuff so that they could say to the censor, right, we'll take out the golden shower. <laughs> and then and they there's a letter online of Matt Stone having an exchange by letter with the censor. And at the end of it, he's talking through all these technical things. So if we remove eight frames of this and we remove the golden shower, and at the bottom he's just written, by the way, this is my favourite letter ever. <laughs> um, going back to talking about, like you think, the, the music and the, the piano version of the thing, well, it's synthesised because the whole thing is performed electronically. Yeah. Um, it's always been interesting the way that the, um, the, the Terminator theme has always been is always kind of broken into two parts that represent the opposite sides of the film. Okay. So you like if just like you have the main title and you and it's immediately starts with the do 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 and then and so it's kind of like that ostinato, that machine like yeah. very much a pattern, a a, a computer pattern and relentless over and over and relentless. And with the anvil it's metallic, it's angry, it's kind of oppressive. And then you and kind of it's kind of a tonal because it's all because it's all percuss, percussive anyway. And then you have this really kind of melodic, hopeful theme coming in, yeah. which kind of represents yeah. the the Kyle and Sarah's love theme. Um, and early kind of, on, when it is very synthy in that, that does feel a bit 
almost deliberately a bit cheap and grimy and unsettling and oh yeah it's it's really good i mean it's one of the things i do like about terminator 2 when they actually really the film's going for a very different theme and all the sort of on all the themes they have established here really suit that film performed that way um and the whole series becomes rinse and repeat of the same stuff really yeah and and so it's kind of appropriate that where humanity's last hope is being conceived here then that theme is kind of at the centre of all yeah Uh, yeah i'd never thought of any of that but yeah yeah absolutely right also on on the on the uh topic of music uh, one thing we haven't mentioned is uh it's there's a slight sort of thing but in terms of theme whenever the terminator is like on screen you always hear this like do 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 yeah yeah and it's like it's something as simple as that is like iconic you hear that you think terminator (laughs) so seeing if like someone does like uh, a scene evoking terminator you know exactly what what it is just from that that little slight sort of like almost like a heartbeat but it's like a metal one it's like a Mm. like a knocking on a door and yeah it's like like the sounds of the factory yes yeah we are about to get into the final act here, really. They hear a, bar- a dog barking. They're quite playful with each other, mm. you know, Sarah and Kyle, because yeah. basically they've, they've, you know, they've got feelings and they've not long had sex. Um, but they hear a dog barking outside. That's the Terminator arriving. That's been seeded mm. to us earlier. Uh, and they, they basically leave, ready to be this final act of them being tracked by the Terminator. And it's, it's yeah, one they... long chase from now on. Yeah. And we've seen them making little pipe bombs and stuff like that. Yeah, because yeah, cause originally he says, be careful with that, and then they're chucking it around like nobody's business. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, he said, yeah, he says, be careful, then like before you have sex, he's like, they're stuffing it really hard in the bag. Yeah, And she wraps up his arm and stuff, and he's like, that's a pretty efficient field dressing. And again, mm. bit of foreshadowing for where the fa- character's going. And where the character's going is something Cameron had in his head, because as I say, T2 was the crux of his full idea. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this this woman is about to be uh, a, a lifelong on the run field agent, field nurse, field soldier, field everything. Yeah. So, yeah. um, they uh, they they nick a a, a truck from yeah. the uh, from the from the hotel and uh, get out before Arnie comes in. Yeah. And then he chases them, and it's another really good chasing. It's a really good chase scene. I think the thing I really love is when when Arnie gets into a truck himself later. Mm. The the damage to his face looks better than in T two. There's something really iconic where he turns. It's the other side of his face than in T two. Yeah. And when he turns his head and says "Get out," that just looks so much better than in T two. Yeah. They've and, actually and... done better on a lower budget because they haven't overdone it. Yeah. Whereas should... ha- most of his skin is pulled away in that film. Oh yeah. Well, overdone. But you see, uh, you see Sarah and Reese working together, and, yeah, and fighting taking, together, taking turns to drive, taking turns to lean out and throw these bombs and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I really, really like all of that. Kyle is shot during the, the process of all this. Yeah. Um, the thing that the other thing to notice is when uh, he does damage the first vehicle and sort of gets out, and Arnie is limping. That was a shot put in in effectively last minute. Because when they looked at how the stop motion version mm. of the, the Terminator was working, it had this sort of staccato movement that they couldn't get around. So they put him limping in so you could make more of a mental connection between him pre and post losing all of his flesh. 
Uh, yeah, it's it's a last minute thing. Uh, Kyle eventually uh, puts a pipe bomb in the back of back of the, uh, mm. the sort of truck that Arnie's driving because he's he's chasing Sarah. Sarah's running and yeah. literally trying to stay out of his way. So the truck is blown up. Uh, Kyle is what we later find out to be pretty much mortally injured. Uh, but they're set. They're sort of celebrating. We made it because the, you see the Terminator like on the floor yeah. in the midst of a blaze burning. And not yeah. moving. Yeah, this this chase. I always feel like it has many levels with the Terminator. Just keep like getting revived, like even to the very end. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know, getting getting crushed by a truck. Oh, it's yeah. half mangled, blown up. It is about it is about to go completely stop motion, and yeah. we can't but point out that with more money and more time, this would have looked better. Mm. It's oh, yeah. very 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 jerky the stop motion stuff. It's all right when you get close in because it's being carried the torso. Mm. This thing and it's and it's obviously an amazing design. Yeah, see, so it's between the full time and the the full size one and the uh, yeah and the the, the miniature. It, so, yeah. It's only when it's like approaching like the the door where it actually looks a bit like oh he can kind of like. Well, when especially... he climbs up out of the fire, you can really see it, and when he's yeah. fighting with Reese, you can see it. It again, is it a criticism? Yeah, to a degree, there was better stop motion around in this era. Um, but it doesn't ruin a fantastic film. It's just it's just one of those things to point out that like I think they ran out of time and money a little bit there, and I think I've heard Cameron say something to that effect. Yeah, that's the thing. If, if you can't, if you, you, know, you, you can afford ILM at that time. Yeah, I mean the, the, the um, I think it was Digital Domain or something. But when you when you go back to um, when you go back to something like The Empire Strikes Back with the, the Atats and stuff, you know, and how. Yeah. Stop, stop motion can work so it's almost seamless when you know it's stop motion you can just about see it but they've put a bit of motion blur in stuff and it still works four years later they've got this and it's a little bit Harryhausen um, it still holds it, up though I think I don't think it, it holds so up given the budget and you know the studio at the time well, it depends it still what looks convincing I don't it think does. it does I think it does contextually yeah, yeah, when, of course, yeah when you take that stuff into account but if, yeah, um, it's, but, it's a little bit dated, but you think from the time, considering it was, you know, the, the future as seen in 1984. It, it doesn't kill yeah, the film. No, it doesn't no, kill the I, film I would at all. agree. In I'd absolute, agree with Charlie. In absolute one. terms now, though, if you, if someone put that in a film and showed it to the studio, they'd oh, put, well, you're yeah, you wouldn't that, that, would you? So, that out. so um, when you say holds up, it's a question of what do you mean? In absolute terms, no, it doesn't, not even remotely. If you say... It was a film of this budget and this shooting. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, shoot. I'm talking in contextual terms yeah. for sure. Obviously, now you know. Obviously, looking, back, I, I did kind of think of it. You know, yeah. seeing this at the big stream, just so, yeah. so I sort of think, actually. But yeah, when you sort of look at the contextual, look at the budget, look at the studio as well, and also you know, it says it's an evolution to what you know what we know as Ireland today. Um, but yeah, no, obviously, you know, just kind of blowing my argument out of the water there. But no, yeah, I totally I wasn't saying that at all. I said you weren't doing that. You weren't no. doing that at all. Oh, no, no, no worries. But yeah, no, I, I do totally mean definitely. It's just you know you got to yeah. look at it in contextual, in terms I of think, context. You know, as, as Charlie was saying, it's, it doesn't kind of ruin it. But at the same time, you kind of look at it now and just think, oh really, oh cringe by you know today's modern million. standards for sure. Yeah. Bond films were being made for about four times this budget around there. Well, exactly. And the following year, Review to a Kill was something like. It was in the 30s. Star, yeah, exactly. Look at what Star Trek the motion picture cost. Look what like Return of the Jedi cost. 
Um, this is six. Much bigger million. budget here, but so obviously coming with sort of cutting corners. You know, you listen to interviews with Arnie, so like everything was kind of made very cheap on the budget. Literally, if you know, if you could see it in here, it's the first take. Okay. I think that's why he prefers T two. Not only exactly. is it more the original idea he had, but when he watches Terminator two, he sees what he's what's in his head playing out. Precisely. When he yeah, watches you have the Terminator, and have more of that he's watching that something where he's like, "Well, I can see what I was trying to do." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even in, even the conservative is on the screen for sure. Even even the conservative estimates of Return of the Jedi's budget, it's still five and a bit times the Terminators. Sure. So, so it's a criticism, but it's not a criticism. Yeah. It's the yeah. Weakest, it, they're the weakest effects in the film. It's a step down from what they've been doing to this point, really impressively. But it's quite short. This last scene of the film, so it's all right. And it yeah, actually, it's so long to be fair. you're caught up in the fact that fuck, what do they have to do to this thing to stop yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Again, if you just look of, at like how even when it's got made. no legs, I mean, it's had its legs blown off. All its <laughs> it's it's insane, it. isn't it? It really is insane. And it's like flesh wound. Yeah, I mean that, that that's a <laughs> really a good, a really good, fine. a really good way of using the puppet because because without the leg with with no legs they can use it as a puppet instead of going back to the stop motion and then exactly. they can use it in in actual shots with with the actors and uh it looks a lot more realistic yeah absolutely the close-ups work really really well yeah, yeah. of course the problem the is with everything well. being on film when you do stop motion effects quite often you've then got second generation sort of degradation well, yeah, of the exactly. film yeah, well. so everything you? being in shot works really well and you just think she's never going to be free of this her legs are mm. damaged she can't walk kyle's now dead because he's had one last stand against this thing and been sort of knocked over and he's he's blown it in half with the last of his pipe bombs not much else to say really they've switched on all the um stuff in the building to distract so there's heavy machinery going off and that's relevant i guess mm. Um, yeah, it's just the idea of like this thing constantly going, even at its last breath, constantly just sort of, even like at the end, where it's, it's it gets crushed, it's like reaching out for her. Yeah. Like literally, like terrifying. Inch in the air. It's like mm. yeah, like uh, like Carl said uh, with the, uh, you know, it will do stop at nothing, you know, until you are dead, which is like just a terrifying notion that doesn't eat, doesn't sleep, doesn't yeah. do, you know, doesn't need to, yeah. Never gets tired, never yeah. weakens. Okay, so that's it. The Terminator is basically crushed in like a big press. Yeah. Which, as she's crawling away from him, your Terminated fucker, which on TV got cut <laughs> down to your Terminate. Terminate. <laughs> terminated fucker. The, the gap between Terminated and fucker was so small, they almost sort of cut into Terminated. Yeah, Terminated. Really awful terminate. shit. <laughs> Again, that's another, that's another catchphrase itself. You're Terminated. Yes, it's a series. It's a series trope, isn't it? You can't almost have a Terminator film without the word being said in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. Yeah. And the uh, that, that last shot of the eye um, fading out, smoking was uh, an LED and a, and a cigarette. Yeah, awesome. cigarette smoke. Cigarette yeah, smoke smoke everything, well. everything is kind of done yeah. in real time, very much on a budget, definitely. That was an insert, though. The 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 eye going out when that when the head's crushed was an insert. Yeah. They didn't have that in the original thing but yeah absolutely superb and then finally we cut to sort of what i'm assuming is the mexican border yeah yeah um and she's at like a gas station and she's talking into a dictaphone which again you'd go oh that sounds really expositiony but in light of what we've just seen entirely yeah. appropriate 
really works. And she's got yeah. a dog. And she's got a dog, which is... I've never really thought about that. Of course she's got a dog. They is, that Jim, ident- is that Jim Cameron's dog? She had, like, a big Alsatian German Shepherd wolfie-type creature, didn't you, I think? I'm You're not sure. Maybe George his dog. Lucas's Malamute, aren't you? No, I'm, I'm pretty sure he had <laughs> Wolfie. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, anyway... But, uh, that might not have been him or her. All right. Um, of course she's got one, though, because they can spot Terminators. Not or a fun fact. you something to miss. Never thought about that. But yeah, she's talking about conceptually whether she should tell her tell him about the father, and she's like, "Well, I've got some time." She can tell she's pregnant. She's what seven, eight months pregnant, looking at her, and she's yeah, she's talking to this machine, and then this kid comes over and gives some spiel in Spanish about how if she doesn't buy the photo he's just taken of her with a Polaroid, father will beat him. Um, so instead of five dollars, she gives him four, and when she's handed the photo, it's the one that he's had all those years, and. Just as she's about to leave, the kid points and says something, and she says, what did he say? And the owner says, there's a storm coming. There's a storm said, coming. And she says, I know, and drives off towards a big map painting. <laughs> there's also, there's that's also one of those like scenes, a... it's like in Spy Love Me, where it's like, that's a map painting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's also that lovely line of dialogue, sort of like in the sort of like the, the hours we spent together, uh, we love a lifetime's worth, which I thought was really like a nice... I think it's probably one of the best, one of the best yeah. lines of dialogue in the film, I think. But. Yeah. And Cameron's not brilliant with dialogue, so yeah, it's good. Uh, that's it, the Terminator. It's a lovely line. The Terminator is in the can. Well, you better hurry up and get out. Well, get out the can. <laughs> I need the loo. Get out the can. Do you surgery elsewhere, please? Um, I haven't got much to ask us for Ada's final thoughts. I'm just, I've said it all. It, this is one of the very best films of the 1980s. I'm expecting it to be one of the, be- of the best film we cover in this series. I'm happy to have my mind changed by T2, but I've seen it enough over the years that I don't think so. All the freshness, inventiveness, and ideas are here. It skirts between hor- horror, action, element of love story, element of sci fi. It's cross cutting a lot of genres. And it's got a, a, a committed leading man that people have a tendency to look at and say, he's not an actor. Well, if this isn't an acting performance, I'm not sure what is, because he's absolutely inhabited uh, a being that he's built from the, the ground up on the basic logical principles of how he believes it would act. I think there's really good chemistry between the two leads. We don't see that sort of the two, you know, the two love leads, you know, Kyle and Kyle and Sarah. I don't think we're going to see the like of that going forward in the series again. Uh, even where they try a little bit later on. Everything is set up and pay off. It's the tightest film Cameron... Well, Cameron didn't do a film this tight thereafter. So it's probably the peak of his career. For all the money he's made and all the money he's had thrown at him in different projects, this remains, to me, James Cameron's best film. It remains Arnold Schwarzenegger's best film. It's one of the best films of the 1980s. And as I say, I'm expecting it to be the best film we cover in the next six weeks. Genesis is a dark horse, obviously, for that for the title. Spelling mistake. Becca, all of the above. Um, no, I had a really good time with it when I saw it at the, at the cinema. I was I was really pleased that I was able to catch it. Um, I kind of feel like I can join that generation of people who kind of grew up in the era and was like, yes, I can see it on the big screen. Um, and for me, it'll kind of go down as one of those kind of all time iconic cinematic experiences that kind of stay with me forever because oh. um, it's such an iconic film I definitely agree I, I would sort of firmly argue obviously this film was kind of sci-fi action kind of lumped in that genre but no I, I, it is pretty much very much in the sci-fi genre for sure um, it has all those recognisable tropes um, that's certainly up there with, you know, with the likes of Halloween 
I was like, all those kind of films, definitely. Um, and there was Sarah Connor being like, she's maybe along with Ripley, like the ultimate final girl, perhaps. Um, uh, yeah, no, no, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this. And I think, as I say, I kind of, my, my relationship with these films, kind of, I, you know, saw the first first three and then kind of dropped off halfway through. I think, you know, Dave's right, it will be probably the best in the series. Um, although I will have a lot of... Um, a lot of praise for the amazing Korean style that we're about to see later on um, in um, in the Spider-Man Snake movie. Um, big fan of him for sure. But I, I do think they kind of, you know, in context, the effects really really stand up. I, I was still impressed actually for a film that's as old as I am, um, considering some of the effects that we've seen, especially in the 80s films as well, where the budget is a lot less. Um, effects do look a little bit more ropey, but I think yeah, given context, obviously they don't hold up to you know our, our modern standards and our modern sensibilities. Um, but given you know, given this film, given the budget, and given where Cameron did cut costs at you know every corner, um, how many he sounds kind of crammed into that sentence? Um, they're still they're still very convincing. Um, even obviously next week with Terminator 2, we'll see that the CGI is much improved um, with the silvery effects as well. And again, there are a lot of films going on at that sort of time where they they don't look as as polished. Um, script. Mm. It's okay. Um, action, fantastic. Whips along at really succinct pace, definitely. There's no, nothing nothing wasted at all here. Um, the experience, score, fantastic. Um, I saw a, a post from Ken, Mioso, hi Ken, um, asking us to talk about the score. We have amazing, glad to take that, take that box. Score is fantastic. Um, lots of synth, very 80s. Also quite very futuristic in many ways. But lots to love about this movie um, and its influences could still be, th- you know, still be felt 35 years on. Chris? Uh, yeah, um, I can't really sort of add to any more, really, because I think everything's been said for... This is one of my favourite films, um, and I think... I think a lot, a lot, a lot of the reasons is the parallels between this and the second one, because I, I see this... The reasons why I think second is quite high, high regarded is the genesis in the, the thought that goes into this film, and I think this film carries a lot of weight, and after, I... The amount of vision in terms of setup and character work between the between the uh, well the two leads, but I was going to say the three leads um, is really well. I re- I prefer the the darker, more gritty, more violent aspect. It's it's highly watchable. I can watch it at any at any moment. Um, it's it's never bored. It's one. Of, it's probably one of my go to sort of like for bored. I just flick it on because I know what exactly what I'm going to get. Um, yeah, so I love it. There's not been much I can add to what's been said before. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a masterpiece. Um, I think maybe one thing that we haven't really covered was the editing. Um, it was edited by a guy called Mark Goldblatt, who basically went on from this to do a ton of iconic action films. Like, he'd, like the next year, he did Commando and the second Rambo film. Then he did Robocop, he did um, T2, The Last Boy Scout, and Tombstone, The Rock, Starship Troopers, um, so all these great films, and the, and the editing in this one is so good. And there's just all these, all these little moments that help cut the tension, like when the um, in the I'll be back scene, uh, when you see the guy and you're waiting for Arnie to come to your thing, and it cuts like a, an insert shot of his pencil, just filling out his forms, and it's just a really good way of just drawing out the tension. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, it's just it's it's just it's perfect, pretty much. Um, it's it's amazing. But Chris, how much do you know about it? Uh, 
not much. Not much. I, I mean, I've, I've watched, like, you know, like, billions of times and all that, but... Um, but you've paid no attention whatsoever. It, my mind's like a sieve. I, you know, I've, I've watched it countless times. I've just recorded the podcast talking about it. It's a cool way it. to start, start a new series in a position of being so clueless. So I, I think we should start the series off right with some factage. Yes. Maybe maybe fun. Might oh. help if they're fun. Oh, about that. That'll buoy the listeners who probably <laughs> don't have our legendary attention spans. Right. Who's giving us fun facts this week, though? I can have some, and then Charlie can do some. Or yeah, Charlie yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you start. Oh, dear. Also, please note this first fact I can't count. Um, yeah, so Jim Cameron wanted to give um, only even fewer lines, because he came from this to Conan, he had about sort of like 24, and I think he has about sort of like 14 to 17 or 18, and there's some wide. Stop counting. Um, fact number two, uh, Terminator is the only character to be listed on the FI's 100 heroes and villains as both a villain and Terminator and a hero. And Terminator 2 played as, obviously, by the same actor. Um, non-human heroes also include Lassie, Terminator 2, Superman, and non-human villains also include Hell 9000, Jaws, The Martians, and Alien. Um, fact number three, the line... Film registry, isn't it? Sorry? It's also in the national film. Yes, registry. it is. Yes, yeah, it's also that's joint, culturally yeah. important. Yeah, culturally enshrined. Okay, that's yeah. my fun fact. I have to bump that one down. So yeah, <laughs> number three is now. Um, so I'll be back. It's number thirty-seven in the FI Top One Hundred Movie Quotes. Um, number four in America. It's the first R-rated Terminator movie. Um, in the series, Terminator Two and Terminator Three are R-rated. Salvation and Genesis RPG Thirteen. In the UK, um, when this came out, and obviously um, in some was on VHS release. It was 18 certificate. Um, but I think 2004-2005 home release. It was reduced down to 15. Um, and all the films after Terminator 2 have a 12 certificate. I'm not sure what this new one's rated. Probably 12, 15. Um, I I've been paying attention. This one might be. It might be an very well be an R rating. Yeah, yeah, we shall see. I think it might be. Um, but as, it doesn't mean. As I think which would probably push it towards a 15 here. I don't think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, when I watched 15, when I watched I'd say 15 at the top end. Yeah, what's on Netflix earlier? It said fifteen. Oh, is it fifteen? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Dark, Dark Fate will be rated R, but what that's yeah. going to be in the UK, I'm not sure yet. Uh, no. ha- normally, the rating might be a twelve A. The normally the rating. Well, you you say that, but the the harder Justice League or Batman versus Superman R cut is a twelve year. So oh, that doesn't actually, al- yeah. doesn't always follow. Uh, normally, though, the rating is normally about three weeks before the film releases, so we will probably know. Oh, actually, I am seeing a fifteen. We'll see. We'll see. I won't. That won't be for definite until I see it on the BBFC. But yeah, at the moment, the BBFC at the moment, definitely. the implication seems to be it's going to be a fifteen. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. But yeah, so as of yeah, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, they certainly haven't been reduced in in stuff for sure. Mm. Um, I thought this was quite. It's just made me laugh because I've got a weird sense of humour. Um, so obviously, around the world, Turtle Terminators is known the world over. Um, and this came out in the late 80s, um, in Eastern Europe, especially in Poland as well. It was called The Electronic Murderer. Um, <laughs> there's a Terminator word meaning a similar, you know, um, having a different meaning. Um, and obviously, by the time Terminator 2 came around um, in 1991, due to like pirate, you know, pirate copies of the original film going around, 
um, the Terminator title was was widely accepted. But I think just at the top of the show where we were like Terminator Newton, I think that was quite funny. It was called you know Electronic Murder. <laughs> that was quite not obviously not not making light of murder because that's really serious, but just the fact that it kind of translated to this really kind of clunky title. <laughs> Whereas, you know, something quite iconic and, and resonant as Terminator, I think, is quite funny. makes me laugh. And we know you're not light on murder, murder Becca, because we remember when you hard-hittingly uh, declared that Oscar Pistorius was a bit naughty for what he did. He's a little bit naughty. That's yeah. an understatement of the year. Uh, yeah, naughty. You actually said that it put, it put you off him a bit. So, uh, <laughs> well, I, I think, oh, yeah, so we know how hard it is. I was like, actually, take around murder and you go off, friend. So, yeah, you thought, you thought it was a really silly thing to do. Yes, slap and on the you, wrist. You didn't care who knew that you thought that. Threw his ass in jail. Hmm. Didn't come out. Well, I've got to say, that's fun, folks. <laughs> well, from about, you know... <laughs> and hey, Charlie, I'm sure you have more fun or, or facts. Uh, yeah, it's good. I, I don't know how accurate this is, but apparently Sting was offered the role of Carl Reese. I saw that. All right. Actually, when you see him just in jogging bottoms at the first time, he's very long and lithe like Sting. Yeah. I could see Sting in this, actually. Um, the, Not saying it would be as good, though, but yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the film's teaser was narrated by a guy called Peter Cullen, who was m- m- more well-known Optimus Prime. as Optimus oh, Prime. Transformers. Yeah. You know that voice. And he was also the in the 1976 King Kong as King Kong. And I think he might have been the voice of Predator as well. Um, the, the guy in the flash, future flashback, the Terminator, was a guy called Franco Columbo. And he was a bodybuilding friend of Arnold, um, who actually just suddenly died last month. He was in a bunch oh, of other of his films as well. And you mentioned James Cameron's dog. James Cameron's dog is actually called Wolfie, uh, um, and was the dog that. was was the barking dog at the hotel. Oh right, okay. So we will we will hear a reference to Wolfie next week. Yeah, Wolfie. It's the fake out that Arnie does when he rings yeah. the parents. We'll come back to that. I don't know if that's supposed to be Wolfie in the car. Okay. In the, in the jeep at the end, but uh. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Fun. I, I, I have a quick fun fact that I've just found out on IMDb trivia. The um the guy in the oh, answer machine the, the guy in the um on the voicemail, uh you know, and uh, on the answer machine is um James Cameron who's cancelling a date with Linda Hamilton. Oh okay. Cause, and then he later married her, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And then left her for another woman. <laughs> <laughs> what That's was she, fun, folks. What, what was she wife number three or four? <laughs> uh, he's on wife five now. I think she was wife four. Gail Ann Hurd was wife two. Catherine Bigelow was wife three. I think was, it's only wife was, one. I can't, wasn't there can't... There's a Susie something, I think, like an actress called Susie something, I think. If you've been married to James Cameron, gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> There could be quite a few emails on there. <laughs> <laughs> like an I'm Spartacus moment. Like. <laughs> I'm Spartacus, so is my wife. Yeah. Like that scene in Father Ted when they all realise that young TV presenter's there. He opens the door and it's just like <laughs> fucking Night of the Living Dead. That's what we like when we call in his ex-wives. Uh, you can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter. Uh, you can find uh, me on Cinematrox on Twitter. You can also find all the all the um, all the podcasts on Cinematrox.co.uk. But you can also find them on on um, 
I can't remember. I can't remember. It's this late now. Um, on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. All the rest of it. Just Google it. Yeah, notice how we weren't helping you at all there. No. <laughs> like, I'm wondering where this will go. He's going to claim it's in a fucking Delia Smith cookbook at this rate. <laughs> okay. Delia Smith, that's going back a bit. Charlie? Apparently, his fifth wife, Susie Amis, um, the, the reason him and Linda Hamilton split up was because he was cheating on her with him, with her. Yeah, she was in and, Titanic. He was yeah. on the set of Titanic. And she got paid 50... He, he paid her 50 million, yeah. Linda Hamilton, as part of the assessment. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at <laughs> Movie Jane. Um, <laughs> and that smooth segue, I love it. If you want to know about celebrity infidelities, write <laughs> at Movie Drone on Twitter. I think we need to... You know, a film needs to be made about Cameron's love life, because that's... What goes on behind the camera is almost as interesting as what goes on it, you know. You can imagine on the set of Titanic, can't you? If this boat's a rocking, don't come and knock. Don't come and knock. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Yes, highly recommend that you follow Charlie at Movie Drone on Twitter. Um, do you used to do your one tweet soundtrack reviews yeah, as well? Yes, I do. Um, I haven't done them for the last couple of weeks because I've been ill. No, sure, fair enough. Excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Um, so, no, that's yeah, good. Please tell me one. Of the, please tell me one of those reviews just simply said "shit sandwich" as one word. <laughs> no. Spinal no. Sp- 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 reference. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, if you go to OT soundtracks on Twitter, that's the other one I do, and it's. Um, people seem to like it. so They're good fun. I like those a lot. And yes, you can follow us on Twitter at the Expect Us to Talk, also on Facebook. Um, slash. Expect us to talk. We're also on the YouTube. Do expect us to talk. And also, as Chris said, at the um, Apple iPod. <laughs> Apple podcast. It's, 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 it's contagious. We it's get contagious. it wrong every week. Well, it's changed, to be fair, obviously, it's been a while now, but it has changed its name. Obviously, it was iTunes and now it's Apple Podcasts. And... It, changed it, it, changed, yeah, it changed its name in the spring of 2017. Well, no, this I, is to it. be fair, it's... I didn't know till about I've, two months no, ago. I've been running a really old and really ancient episode yeah. of iTunes, so it's like, well, I don't give a toss. Um, yeah. That's kind of like where my Apple experience lies, unfortunately. I'm not one of these diehards, sadly. Um, Android all the way. Um, but yeah, if you sort of search us on there, um, so I've been do expect us to talk. Um, and if you listened to us before, uh, please give us a growing five star review as it helps us to rank higher and attract more listeners. And also, the first time I will say this, please don't forget to like us, rate us, review us, and share us on whatever platform you might be listening to. I'm going to take a leap out of the Jerry Anderson podcast book and use that as our little slogan as to get people to find out more about us and like us across all the platforms. And you can also email us, expect us to talk at gmail.com. Just, just, just like Jerry Anderson stuff, we, we, we've got wood too. <laughs> well, now they have the thing. I am. Um... Marionation, I think it is now. So <laughs> I think, I think it's type of marionation. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, with Firestorm coming, yeah, it's now in hyper marionation, which I can't this wait. For. I'm very exciting. This film's been good. But I think what it's been missing is public energy and enemy t-shirts and floppy hair. <laughs> Which means Becca. I'm not going to say it. What, the title of the film? You're not going to say anything <laughs> but the sound of it. Do you expect us to talk? We'll return with Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs>